We're live. Scott Castanon, my friend, my brother from another mother from college. All these years, welcome to Talking During Movies, the podcast where we take key moments and quotes from a film to drive a conversation. And this one's a doozy, brother. You picked it. I love it. It's topical. It, it invokes a, an epic road trip that we took together. Yes. There's a... Uh, there's some boozing, there's some ladies, there's some racism. I mean, this is like America in, in a movie. There's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a goddamn circus show. It's fantastic. So listen, I'm, um, I'm 30 seconds in on the film. So they are just showing um, the two knuckleheads. It's like a, a Dale Lawner production is up for those that want to uh, get queued up here. And then, as everyone knows, we just kind of hit the old play button and uh, we start talking. So, Scott, real quick, uh, two things. One, uh, I always like to let people know what I'm drinking. I've got a new beer here. It's from the uh, family. It's, uh, let's see here. It's from Dripping Springs. It's Family Business Beer Company. Around beer, your family. I kind of like that little tagline. It's cute. It's the Cosmic Cowboy uh, American IPA. It's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's not terrible. It's, uh, it's actually really good. I'd, I'd buy it again. Not as good as uh, my dear friends down at Fox 12 Brewing, who do a hell of a job, or um, Independence. But hey, you got to start somewhere, and you guys started a good, uh, you know, B+. And for those here in the background, here's what's going on. I'm on my patio because I talk too loud in my house, and I get excited, and then I start cursing, as everyone knows who listens, and then my wife yells at me. So this saves me from getting yelled at. <laughs> If people could only see the the nodding in the smile, <laughs> how does that translate to audio? <laughs> well, I am drinking manana. That's M A N A N A, uh, owned by a company that owns a company that owns a company. That's why they're hard to find in the U.S. However, I did in San Diego, and I got me some. So. Nice. What, um, how would you, how would you, how would you constitute that tequila? What, um, what's the, is it, is it more like a smoky? Is it, how, how do you describe it? Um, so, so the simplest way to, I guess, um, articulate the, the higher end tequilas is very similar to a whiskey versus a cognac. Oh, okay. uh, and there is uh there's a spicy and there's a smooth. Uh, and it has nothing to do with the bite. 
the bite is actually how well they've filtered it. And some purists don't like filtering it, so they prefer the bite. And some people don't like the bite. They like just smooth, smooth, smooth. I am a smooth, smooth, smooth guy. Um, and the reasoning why there's color in it like it is and why it looks darker than some other uh, extra añejo, as they call it, is the type of barrel that it's aged in. And this was actually aged in a cognac barrel, a French cognac barrel. And then it takes on the, all the personalities that was in that wood from when it came over. Sure. So um, this one right here actually is borderline sweet super smooth um i actually taste notes of uh root beer and i know that that sounds like totally crazy but if you can take out the the sweetness of a root beer and all the the biting of of the carbonation mm -hmm. and you've got that syrup and you can translate that into something super smooth that would probably be the closest relevant comparison to that particular tequila Ooh, I like it. That's very interesting. I'll, um, we've got some pretty good resources here in town. Uh, we'll have to, I'll have to check that out and we'll um, sh uh, email me or text me the name of it and uh, I'll make sure to, to tag them in the, in the, in the post so that they know you're drinking it and celebrating them. Uh, the other thing I like to do before, as we get going down the road here is small businesses, you know, um, you have a small business. I want you to talk about that, but also if there's a favorite small business in your neck of the woods where you go, you like the owners, uh, it could be a restaurant, could be a, a, a bar, a church or whatever, a nightclub, whatever it is. Uh, do you got one off the top of your head you'd like to give a shout out to or give some love to? Uh, actually, uh, there is one. It's a, it's a restaurant called Kino's and I love Kino's and it's super old. And if you go into it, you, you have your choice of going to the left or to the right. And the right looks like some dive restaurant circa 1971, uh, with the wall paneling, but they still have Kino that you can play. Um, and it's got big round, uh, booths, like from the old, from the Brat Pack, from the Rat Packs. Um, and it's just a great place to go eat food. They have a full service bar. Uh, they were uh, doing a customer service uh, uh, curbside pickup during the COVID-19. And uh, I just, I absolutely love their breakfast and uh, anything I can do to help continue to support them. Cause they were just, they were awesome during this whole time. So uh, they've been around for a really long time. They have two locations here in Orange County. Uh, okay. One is nearby and I just really love their, love their food. It's very, very much a family restaurant. Nice. What city? uh anaheim hills i believe it's either anaheim hills or your belinda okay i mean they're right, right. next to each other <laughs> perfect uh for me uh i'm gonna go uh a restaurant as well one that i i really enjoy uh i love taking the kid to we just we just get to have fun there you know there's those places where you just get to sit down and you're like you know what we're gonna order something fun uh my buddy's got a restaurant up far west boulevard uh, barn grill it's on far west north side of austin and we're uh we'll go there buddy jay neighbor owns it <clears throat> he'll come out hey bubs what do you what do you want to go to beer bubs i'm like take a thirsty goat jay hey kid this looks at harper hey kid i got your uh, lemonade coming and uh, i'm gonna bring you the mac and cheese so i will have a waitress wait on me nice. my daughter will have the owner wait on her <laughs> She will tell him that his mac and cheese is the best mac and cheese in the world and he will not charge her. Now I have another friend who's a chef, who's a very well-known chef that keeps making her mac and cheese at his restaurants. Restaurants, <laughs> plural, a many restaurants. 
And she's like, it's almost as good as Mr. J's. And he's like, I was on Iron Chef. I was, I almost won Iron Chef. <laughs> Your kid wants pub mac and cheese over what I'm making from scratch, including the noodles. And I'm almost as good. <laughs> you know, and Jay's like, I got some shells and I got some elbows. Uh, so I just kind of mixed them together. It looks cool. It's cute for the kids. I'm like, were you low on noodles? He goes, I forgot to go to the store, bubs. <laughs> but the quality's there, you know, his personality's there and just taking care of the kid. You know, you got kids around, man. I mean, you got a place that they're asking and for some reason the owner likes them and could kind of like you, but really it's just like, if you drop the kid off, that'd be great. Hang out, <laughs> get the fuck out. <laughs> you know, you go, go to the bar. I want to have mac and cheese with your kid who's got great taste in food. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie, My Cousin Vinny, you picked it. What, um, what makes this movie special for you? So, you know, I've seen this movie a handful of times, and and uh, I, I think the thing that I that I love about it is uh, <clears throat> Joe Pesci is basically able to pull a rabbit out of his ass like no other in in pulling this whole thing off. Just a constant con, constant con, and he was in the thick of it all the time and always just flowing like 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 butter, like grease off bacon. It just he, at no time was he ever in trouble. Yeah. And he, uh, he seemed to just always be right above it, right above all the issues, everything that got thrown at him. And uh, it just made for great comedy, great dialogue. I, I, uh, before we got on this evening, I went on to IMDb to kind of find out some fun facts about it. And uh, I was just blown away at uh, a couple of things. Number one, the director of the film was a former attorney. And so it was super important to him that the um, courtroom dialogue and the witness testimonies and the way that the court um, procedures were happening was uh, on point. And it is actually listed as one of the top courtroom uh, movies for all lawyers to watch. Wow. Um, so there's a lot of really like interesting things about uh, this movie that I didn't even know about. Yeah, and I mean, I, obviously, Ralph Macchio didn't get shot, so cops didn't watch this movie. I'm kidding. <laughs> Low blow. I love our police. I'm joking, folks. Relax. <laughs> I know it's a tense time. That's why we're making jokes. Aha. So one of the funny things is this movie starts off with a road trip. We went to college together, and I would say, what, our second year of hanging out and knowing each other, we took spring break, and like a, a couple of well-established gentlemen mm -hmm. uh, with the... Um, the Vegas fact checker, Brett, uh, he, will, he will email and text after listening. Like, you know, you got this wrong. You know, this is wrong. I'm like, do you want to come on? He's like, I do, but I'm busy. And he's been on a couple of times. And I was like, this is really fun. Can we do this more? I'm like, you got to stop drinking fucking Coors Light. But yeah, you can come on. <laughs> but so it was us three in this 200,000 mile gold three-door Honda Accord hatchback. Hatchback. Newport, we left Newport Beach, a place that people save their money all year long to come for spring break and summer. They work 365 days to spend five days there. 
to work another whole year to spend five days there. And we're like, nah, let's get out of here. And we went up to uh, my home state, Montana, where it had been snowing for 110 days straight. So it was a little bit, but the ride up there, I, I mean, folks, you got to understand one, you have to love a road trip and all of us do. You have to like each other. And all of us did. And we liked each other on the way back until Scott used my mom's blueberry muffins as a pillow. No. Okay. I, <laughs> it was not blueberry muffins. It was straight bread. It was just straight bread. That's true. <laughs> in a loaf and i laid on it and i remember jason going damn it damn it damn it of all the words he used he used damn it a lot a lot <laughs> but we left we left newport beach we're driving up the big memories that come to my mind are two or, or threefold one outside of vegas almost running out of gas and brett losing his mind i mean cursing <laughs> Yes. And you two motherfuckers aren't going to run. You know who's going to fucking run? I'm going to run because I'm the one who's fucking in shape to run. <laughs> he was putting on his shoes and he's lacing them up. <laughs> so mad. And the car is just on empty. And it's like, next town, 62 miles. It's like, well, we're not making that. And he was, and we did. We got, we got gas. We made it. It was, it was all good. And then um, I remember the gentleman passing us on uh, highway 93 it, it, we had that car chase it was a it was a yeah more than just a pass it, it was the <laughs> guy was antagonizing us and taunting us and i didn't quite understand why he he would even bother doing that i mean obviously he didn't know that there were three gentlemen all over six feet uh in a honda accord we were going to come out like a freaking clowns in a circus <laughs> that was the best right because we're up to highway 93 we, he passed us through a beer can on the car. We're like, that's not cool. So we go by him. He slams on his brakes and we blow by him at a hundred. We stop on the darkest road in all of America. No stars, no lights, no aliens, nothing. And we stood in the road waiting for him like idiots. And that motherfucker flew by us at God knows how fast. He was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And then we saw him at a gas station. That was the best part. <laughs> he he not, comes out. He's, he's filling up with gas. He goes in, gets some more beer. God bless him. We pull over. We're getting gas. He sees us and we're like, hey. And he ran, dropped beers, ran to his car. The kids that were in the parking lot are like, can we have those? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Have the beers, kids. Knock yourself the fuck out. <laughs> Didn't remove the handle. That thing broke out. Went across a median in whatever kind of car he had. So lost his beer, fucked up the back of his car, fucked up the underneath of his car because he was like, that's what I was throwing beer cans to? These three huge assholes? He was drunk. That guy was. was. Dog is going to start barking. He was drunk. He was drunk and an asshole. <laughs> and my, you know what's funny is that, so he come out here, I teach my dog how to open the door so he can let himself out. And now we're outside, and of course he wants to go out uh, off the patio because he wants to go growl at people as they walk by our fence. <laughs> heaven fucking forbid someone walks past us. So yeah, and then we, you know what? We drove all night. Um, we got to, uh, oh, we got to Whitefish, Montana, and we got to hang out. We, um, we, 
the best part of this, and this actually kind of comes to, um, if you think about my cousin Vinny, right? They get in that southern town and we're going right now. By the way, these guys at Holdout Brewing, they have a, they, their motto is save Austin, drink beer. It's pretty dope motto. I've got, I've got the t-shirt. Don't get me wrong. I got the t-shirt. <laughs> It'd be like if Mexico came out with a national campaign that said, uh, save Mexico, drink tequila. Yeah. But it was just as simple as that, right? Like nope. nothing fancy, no crazy lettering. Just, just do that. Mexico, let me tell you, tip from your uncle Lair. One, you're going to sell out of those shirts. If those shirts are black with just, you know, or, or um, reignite Mexico, drink tequila, whatever you want to call it. Reinvest in Mexico, drink tequila. Boom, boom, boom. One, they're going to sell like blockbusters. They're going to, they're going to fly off the shelves, especially a simple black, nice light t-shirt. None of that weird shit you buy on the beach. Nice shirt. I'll pay 25 bucks for it. I love tequila. And then give that money back to the small businesses yeah. and, uh, and watch them grow. But um, so we were in, we're in Whitefish, Montana. And the reason this is important, I bring this up is because, you know, Ralph Macchio and his buddy are going through this Southern town and they get pulled over and they're accused of murder. And uh, they instantly feel the discomfort, the, the subtle and sometimes overt racism that is around them. Yeah. <laughs> we are in Whitefish, Montana. It's like lunchtime. I'm like, you guys want to see what we're going to drink tonight? And you're like, yeah. And we go downtown and we walk into this hallway bar and it's a long hallway bar. Hands up. Yes. No, just interrupt. Get after it. Okay. So, so the, the important part of this story was, was we were actually here the night before in this bar partying our asses off. This is why we were excited to come back. Right. We were doing the, we, there was that band and the guy was playing Johnny Be Good and he was walking around, like, <laughs> he was on a guy's shoulders and uh, we were having a great time partying with tourists and uh, the, the bar was packed, it was filled and there was, there was just all kinds of different dynamics. So we were excited to go back to this place for lunch. Have a, have a little grub, a little hamburger. And, and that's when we walked in and the records went, it seriously scratched, stopped, everything stopped. They stared at the three of us. And well, they and stared at you too. Let's be honest. So here's the deal. I am 6'2", that time about 220 pounds, uh, white kid from Whitefish. Yeah. I've got Brett Lucchetta, who's Italian, half Italian. He is 6'4", and he's got a shirt that says SEC Volleyball, and he's wearing slip-ons. <laughs> little slip on flip flops and his breakaway pants. I guess if he wanted to get laid real quick, I don't know. And then I've got another six, two, six, three, 220 pounds guy who's muscularly bigger than me. That's a veteran. That's Hispanic. So I've got an Italian and Hispanic and me in the middle. And they're like, boy, did you get kidnapped? <laughs> and you're like in a black t-shirt. You're like, listen, man, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to hang out on a sandwich. What a fucking yeah. sandwich. <laughs> and the record, I mean, it was full of loggers with, and these aren't loggers. Like, this isn't the chainsaw you have at home, kids. This is, the, this is a chainsaw that takes down 100-year-old trees. It's like seven feet long. It's enormous. Their axes were huge. And their dogs that were just laying beneath them, just growling at us. These huge Rottweilers that protect their truck. It was, it was like a movie. It was, 
It was startling because they all stay. They didn't stop staring at us. It, it wasn't that they stared at us. It that they didn't stop staring at us. And <laughs> the parents, yes, we are staring at you. Not you. Not you. You. <laughs> you three. In case you're wondering, the record's still scratching. We're still staring. Okay, it's like the person's like. Should I still keep scratching? He's like, you keep scratching. We're still staring. Go watch them. Watch those boys over there. And it was, I mean, it was, it was crazy in that, what about that week we spent up there for spring break? Mm-hmm. The other, you know, my, my other favorite parts were, A, um, you guys meeting my crazy mother. And you're like, Jay, how bad can your mom be? <laughs> and you're like, I mean, we could leave tomorrow if you want to. You got to you got to hang out with with Lee, who yeah. was my first stepdad. Yeah. Who, when I balked at Budweiser, threw me into a closet, and closed it so I could not get out, and then gave you guys Budweisers. <laughs> Both of you flirted with my sister and stepsister Breeze at the time. Uh, we went drinking with all of them. I mean, yes. that whole trip. One, I don't think, you know, the kids of this generation, kids that are graduating college or, you know, that, that didn't get to do the graduation that, um, that aren't getting to travel. But even if travel is open, yep. I would argue this. Kids don't take road trips like that much anymore. Yeah. And they're missing out. I, I would also say you're missing out. 100% you're missing out. You, you got to pick music. Yep. You got to stay awake. Yep. You're stuck in, I mean, dude. Three guys over six feet tall in a Honda. <laughs> I mean, you're, every time you got out, you crawled out of the hatchback. It was a clown car. It was a fucking <laughs> clown car. And the funny thing was, we didn't have luggage. We all had like a book bag with just our shit shoved in it. Because we're like, we're staying at Jay's house. We'll just do laundry every day if we have to. Because <laughs> we wanted to leave as much room as we could to bring back as much Montana beer as we could. That's right. Um, yes. And we needed space to lay the seats down because fuck seatbelts. If you got tired, you wanted to go to sleep in the back. That's exactly right. We were we were the original beer club for the uh, White Fish Brewing Company for uh, for Black Star Beer. Our beer. That's right. We were we were the OG guys back in the day. In fact, and that OGness um, got me a job with them for a bit. Did get you a job with them? How's that? How's that tattoo on the back? By the way, great. Still OG. Still OG. <laughs> telling you i have to tell you when i saw there i think it was 2008 2009 and i saw the black star brewery beer sign in a bar in hollywood on sunset i was so excited not because of the beer but finally the company had made its way back from bankruptcy so you no longer had an irrelevant tattoo for a decade that's true right i mean like 1998 i worked with them and then they went away, then they, Miller bought them, they came back, and then they went away again. They're like, fuck this. I mean, this is just, well, I mean, beer in general, right? I think, you know, beer is taking this weird turn. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's either, it's how, how much alcohol can I shove into a can? And it's kind of sweet. How many, how many um, IBUs, how bitter can that IPA be? Or is it Bud Miller or Coors and can I have 30 of them? And there's no middle ground of just like, hey, you know what this is? This is an easy like Sunday morning beer. Here you go. And, yeah. and that's, you know, I was just listening to the dollop and they, were, they did the dollop on the uh, Coors family, which by the way, I mean, geez, man, talk about some inter... I didn't realize that they made the ceramics for the, um, for the atomic bomb. Oh. 
Well, Coors, when uh, they, they have a huge ceramics arm, actually, it is their second most profitable division of Coors is the ceramics they create. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm like, wow, I had no idea. Uh, and it was very interesting to, um, to hear them talk about Coors, you know, and they're talking about the overt racism and, the, the, you know, how they hate homosexuals and how they're very religious right. Yeah, and they believed, in fact, I forget which one of the Coors kids it was. They're like, no, I mean, you know, alcoholism comes from, from hard alcohol. Like if you want to avoid alcoholism, you just drink beer. <laughs> I'm like, I want that naive world again. I mean, minus the racism and all the crazy shit. I want that naive world where someone's like, like I want our biggest problem to be that Coors is lying to me saying that you can't be an alcoholic if you drink beer. I, I love that world. I think that's a very special, unique place that I want to live in. Cause they're like, I mean, in Germany, we have beer at breakfast. It's just, it's hilarious. You're, you're looking going, you dumb motherfuckers. What the hell? It is funny that you, you mentioned that. I was, uh, I was watching the show on Netflix called Imposters and there's a scene. Yes. Watching it. And the, and the girl goes, oh, I thought you said you were going to quit drinking. He goes, ah, it's just beer. Yeah, it's, what are you talking about? It's beer. So calm down. <laughs> what uh so it's you know COVID. you're at home uh, first of all tell everyone we, we actually have quite a few uh, so here's here's the weird demographic let me, let me pull this up uh so it's going to look like i'm not looking at you i'm just pulling up a different screen here because okay. i want to and i could probably just share this with you i'm just going to pull this up really quick so here's the funny thing so of the most recent podcast right u.s ireland uk france kenya colombia canada israel and serbia are wow. top countries Wow. Our top cities, Austin, well, here, hmm. boarding out of Austin, Texas. Number two is Dublin, Ireland. I don't know how that helps your company. It's good. Then we got San Rafael, California, Camarillo, Anaheim. Um, where else? We got Mountain View, California, Newport Beach, North Hollywood, San Francisco. Uh, those are my big cities in California. My biggest city in Montana is Townsend. We've also got some people in Nairobi, Kenya, Tel Aviv, Leamington Spa, UK, and then uh, Sladale, Louisiana. So, and everyone's like, you never get into the movie anyways. I don't even keep saying this, Jason. Before we get too far into the movie here, we're already, you know, Vinny's shown up, Marissa Tomei showed up. We got to talk about her, but I don't want to go too far. One, um, tell us a little bit about your business, A, and then B, how people can get in contact with their interest. The reason I also bring it up is because I just had the, the fragrance guy, on the Demeter Fragrance. This guy makes a fragrance for everything. I mean, he's got a thing called Fuzzy Balls because some girl emailed and goes, my favorite smell is Wimbledon because you can smell the tennis balls there and the grass. And so he made a fragrance of that and he calls it Fuzzy Balls. He took, what was it? He said he took like 10 years to make kitten. So that he's got a fragrance that smells like kitten. I called bull, I was making fun of it, right? So I'm like, he sent me coffee, he sent me thunderstorm, and he sent me the smell of New Zealand. And I guess New Zealand people smell like they just stepped out of a fucking shower, clean as a whistle. I'm like, God, New Zealand, this should be your ad campaign. Spritz this around, come see us. And then I'm like, what's your favorite scent? He goes, patchouli. And I was like, fuck dirty hippies. What does he do? He puts me on an email to his head of business operations. And he's like, Adam, I think the guy's name's Adam. He's like, Adam, send Jepson patchouli, and then also send him dirt. So he knows the fucking difference between 
what patchouli smells like and what a dirty hippie smells like. Wow. <laughs> so I've got those two coming in the mail now. But then all these people reached out to me. My buddy, uh, Henry, it came from Monsters. He's like, I go, they should make a, a spray, a fragrance that smells like Godzilla. He's like, okay, whatever. I'm like, dude, email the guy. Here's his email. Like, challenge him. Uh, my friend, uh, Lisa, who's going to come on the podcast, her, um, her uh, ex-husband has a chain of barbershops. And one of the things they want to do is because of the, the cleaning of the hands, right? Uh-huh. Is they want a scented version, a barbershop scent for, those, uh, for that cleaning job. And he can do that. Wow. And I was like, hey, do it with him. I'll hook you guys up, have a conversation. And they just say, I'm going to put this, I'll buy it for all. I'm not going to pay you for the R&D. But if you go do all this shit, right, I will make it national news. I will, I will be your PR agent for a minute. And we will blow this out of the fuck. I mean, she used to run PR at Dell. I mean, this girl is dialed, right? So to have these, I mean, so some of the stuff's cool. Like it's very, it's, it's not applicable as far as like, I want to smell like tennis balls, squirt it on your wrist and walk around. Yeah. But it is like, oh, you know what? I remember Wimbledon. And let's say you got, you know, let's say you met your girl at Wimbledon and got laid there the first time. And you want to, you, you know, it's a one year anniversary and you can't travel to Wimbledon. You buy some of that shit, go spritz it around the bedroom, son, and you better pop a Viagra. You get back to that 20-year-old non-pandemic dick, all right? You, you got to get after it. So all that said, back to you. I apologize, but I wanted to give a reasoning for why, because there's good people who will reach out and be like, oh, well, well, what about this or blah, 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 blah. So the business, talk to me, because we've talked about it in the past. I love what you're doing. You're very brave. <laughs> it, uh, it happened... Uh... As as all good things happened, uh, I I actually uh, let me let me go back to it. Um, so I have a company called Soltiera, and uh, Soltiera is an ingredients based um, company. What I do is I buy frozen ingredients by the pallets and by the barrels, and I buy them uh, generally in like a, a half size container like the the kind you see behind a semi truck so I buy them in like half containers or I buy them in full containers and I put them in a cold storage because they're all frozen Uh, I buy them in a and I put them in a storage and then I sell them in small increments to manufacturers who put those ingredients into a finished product that you would see at like Trader Joe's or Costco or Target so let's take for instance you're at Costco and you pull out some sort of a uh, Marie Callender's pot pie, just to throw it out there. Mm-hmm. And Marie Callender's pot pie, you you open it up and you see a little bit of carrot, a little bit of green beans, a little bit of corn. Uh, all those came from a guy like me who sold it to the people that made that pot pie. Um, they bought it in probably 10,000 pound increments or 15,000 pound increments. And um, they basically put them in and create uh, a finished good that ends up going on a retail shelf. Uh, I buy the product mostly stateside. Um, I, I buy stuff from Washington, Oregon, California, Minnesota, Wisconsin. I buy actually cheese. I, I buy, uh, I want to say uh, 40,000 pounds a month of cheddar cheese and 40,000 pounds a month of Monterey Jack cheese that I turn around and sell in uh, four and 6,000 pound increments to a manufacturer in the local Whoa. area. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not gonna shit for a week hearing about that much cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so now here's the question, COVID-19, 
Um, I don't know what's happening, you know, in, in California. Um, I, I was out there for a hot minute, but uh, the uh, the protests are happening, which I'm for. I'm 100% for. Uh, it just, it shut it, you know, Los Angeles, you've got the beauty of the protests, you have the ugliness of the riots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the riots were shutting businesses down at one, two o'clock. My hotel was like, hey, we stopped serving at five. I'm at the office at four, calling my hotel to get a burger delivered to my room at five. So I can leave the office, go to my hotel to have a break. Because everything else is shut down. Because everyone's yeah. freaked out that they're going to get looted or some shit. So I'm like, I can't get a pizza delivered. Nothing else is coming. I got to do this. Um, but it, it, it highlights also, like here in, uh, I brought that up because I just don't know what's happening there um, as far as how restaurants and, and chains are interacting. Here in Texas, HEB is one of our big um, chain stores here. And I think it's the biggest in Texas. And uh, they were grabbing frozen uh, food and uh, perishable foods from restaurants, from top restaurants, mm-hmm. and then selling it in there, in their areas. And like, instead of us making soup, shit, these guys will make soup for us. They're gonna <laughs> make all this soup for us. And then if it sells, great. But you know, like, and you know, you know how that retail buyback, buy-in, buy-out works. People mm-hmm. like it, all that shit. Um, but I'm wondering, depending on how the second wave or, or how we adjust as a society, right? I think there's going to, you know, I, I, I'm sad to say there's probably going to be less eating out. However, I think we could diversify our shelves more if more restaurants, if, if more chain stores or smaller stores uh, would embrace the local restaurants and be like, I will carry 10 of your sandwiches or I'll do this or, you know, just so that there's, there's an economy of scale and of trade locally. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how that economy of scale and trade works if it was frozen pizzas, frozen burritos, um, you know, frozen veggie bowls, whatever those things may be regionally. Uh, how does that work for impacting you? Like if there was a Torchy's Tacos and they were like, hey, we're going to freeze our burritos and then, you know, you can nuke them up and sell them. And then would they contact you or would they contact the person that then contacts you? How does that, I don't know. I'm trying to understand how the trickle down effect works. So there is a big, big chasm between retail and wholesale, wholesale being restaurants. Sure. Um, So, so even, even the way that food is processed on the retail side is completely different than the way food is uh, sold and processed on the wholesale side. Even if it's catering, uh, even if it's sold in large bulk for a party of a thousand, uh, mm-hmm. that food is going to be processed completely different than if it was um, a retail for uh, an order of a thousand servings of something. Um, so even with uh, fresh versus frozen, there's a dynamic uh, that is completely different from one to the other and how the food is handled. Um, as far as the USDA, as far as the FDA, um, the organic dynamic, uh, all of yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't, I was, I was going to ask you that later. I have notes in case you want to, because I was <laughs> going to ask you about that because that organic dynamic, and I'm going to, I've got a couple of friends in the food business, um, that I want to introduce you to, that I've done because they're on the technology and food side. They're pretty crazy, but they're awesome. There might be a connection there, but I will do an introduction. Uh, but yeah, the organic side, no offense to the people who make the rules, 
But in the U.S., it seems like utter horseshit. It, it, you know, it's... Sorry, you people who are snacking on your organic snack. That trust me, it's been in seven cows' assholes before it got to your mouth. <laughs> so, the, the how to how to how to start this and make this very very uh, small because I'm, I'm I tend to be loquacious when it comes. Get to... loquacious, and folks, look hey. that fucking word up. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, this is a movie and beer drink podcast. He's still loquacious. Triple word score. Quadruple word score, asshole. Learn how to spell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, he's looking at his sticky look. Going, I'm gonna need more of this for sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Where was I? Okay. So I sell the majority of my products uh, as organic. Okay. And each one of the vendors that I purchase the uh, products from have certifications out the wazoo that have to be updated on a regular basis that I am responsible for because technically I take ownership of that. I'm not a broker. I actually buy it. It becomes mine. I put it in the oh, store. Hold on. Time out. This might yeah. be a longer explanation than you, you got geared up. For. You take responsibility for what someone else does? Yes. To some degree. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because there's more money in it. Okay. No, I'm in. No, I'm in. All right. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. I thought you were just taking responsibility because like, well, someone wrote a law. I got fucked. I'd be like, God. I could be a broker and put two fingers together and, and have handshakes for three or four percent. Or I can buy, own, turn around and sell for 15 to 18 to 20 percent. Now, are still, that still sounds low, but that's where the volume comes in. Sure. Um, because the manufacturer is going to turn around and sell that for 30 to 40% market, but their volume is not going to be anywhere near what I'm doing because they're, they're basically putting together five ingredients is where I'm, I'm shipping them one ingredient to that same level of volume. So my goal this year is to uh, have a little over a million pounds of product sold. And my ultimate three to five year goal is to be at the, uh, is to be at the, Ten to fifteen million pounds. Do you um? There's a guy, and obviously I forget his name because I didn't do this research. But this is back of the head. Um, there's a gentleman. He uh he became a, a billionaire. I've talked about I've talked about the pod. I talked to about about him on the podcast numerous times. I should probably just get his fucking name. Just Google it. But <clears throat> pops into my head when conversations come up. Uh, he's only done two interviews. He's worth about ten billion dollars. Mm. Uh, he sells cheese to Pizza Hut, Domino's, Papa John's, and the top five frozen pizzas in America. And that's all he does. Yeah, what that guy did was he built relationships with dairies and he locked in a trade agreement with each one of those manufacturers, um, getting basically the most out of two things the chicago mercantile exchange which is the commodities for dairy and two futures on freight that's how he did it really and simple yeah now not that easy it's that simple not that easy <laughs> i'm like i'm like i'm in you're like well hold on <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like benching 500 pounds let me tell you how to do it yeah underneath the bar you just push up <laughs> it's that simple 
Listen, you're gonna grab the bar, you're gonna lift it off the rack, you're gonna bring it all the way down, you're gonna push it right back up, Jim. It's 500 pounds. Boom. Get it Boom. done. That's how you do it. But I've done 100 pounds prior. Listen, I don't do your training. I'm just letting you know how the 500 pounds gets lifted. <laughs> Some guy's dead. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously get a spotter or a, you know, a VC, whatever you want to call it. A little venture backing. There is some details in between all this. It's what they call the yada, yada, yada. <laughs> <laughs> the yada, yada, yada. We are, we are blessed. And speaking of food, we're blessed, right? Because we are surrounded by great food. How much of what you do when you're at a restaurant or you're walking through a store, how much of it is cool? And how much of it is, I can't believe they fucked that up. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the things that I see uh, when that happens are, are things that are on their way out. And I, okay. I get super bummed. Um, for instance, Costco had uh, an oatmeal bite in their, uh, in their uh, cooler for, no. I don't know, three or four months. And each one of the oatmeal bites were, I don't know, maybe uh, an ounce and a half to two ounce. Thought it was ingenious. Uh, I, I think where, where the company, which was Culinary Brands, I think was the manufacturer, um, I think where they went afoul was in their packaging. They, they put too much in it. It looked like a board game, just pulling it out of the, out of the cooler. It was a, a big box and they had these state-of-the-art um, microwavable um, plastic. They weren't plastic, but they were like uh, some sort of a whatever that is. It's like a vegetable base. Uh, oh, yeah, like the vegetable oil-based something like that and um and then they had each one of them uh backpacked as though they were like a puck um that was i i think all of that made made for too much of something to you couldn't store it you couldn't really i mean i had to i loved them and i had to literally break them down every single time to even put it in my cooler in in my refrigerator um, so I was bummed and that's the kind of stuff where I see the ingeniousness of it and it tastes great and it was awesome. But the, the way that they went about it, they just kind of fucked it up under their own greatness. They, they, they fell apart in it being too heavy of good stuff. Sure. And also there's the CPG guy that gets hired for that. That's like, look what we're going to do. And there's going to be oil based. We're going to individually package them and then people can just, you know, like, and, and you know what, there's a CEO just, Jay's like, yeah. And then we're going to barcode this. And, and then, you know, the lawyer's kind of like, well, you got to do this. And I'm like, great. And we're going to vacuum seal it this way. And we got we to gotta do a cold glue because it's all going to be cold. And you're like, all right, great, Tom. You guys are great. How much is the packaging? Well, it's $92.75 for each bite. But Costco's going to pick them up at $10 a pallet. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It looks like we're losing money here. Yeah, but it's exposure. It's a marketing cost. No, it's shitty design. Your CPG guy should have been fired. As soon as he came up with that, with, with the fact that I have to get a skeleton key from someone, <laughs> get the decipher code to figure out how to get my fucking oatmeal bites because I'm starving. <laughs> I'm out. I could love it. God bless you for being a, an, an honorary customer. You know, I, I love what um, John Lynch, my, my friend John Lynch says. You know, he goes, it's, 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 it, times have moved. We are no longer, it's no longer about customer loyalty. There's too many brands. Yeah. It's about loyalty to customer. Who's going to be loyal to you? Right? Oh. 
And yeah. I would argue that good brands have caught on to that and um, uh, energetic millennial brands are just trying to figure out the next whiz bang package to, to catch my eyes. If I'm happen to be wearing my glasses or my yeah. bifocals that day, <laughs> cause they're like, you caught my daughter's attention. Great. She doesn't have any money and I still can't see what she's looking at and I can barely hear. So these are all, by the way, this is also an advertisement for why you shouldn't have kids till you're 40. One, you just nod your head a lot because your ears, you can't hear anything. And two, you're going fucking blind. So like, can I have this? You're like, I can't see it. I'm just going to say no. <laughs> These are all reasons why you don't have kids at 20. Because at 20, you also have the ADHD, but you have good eyes and great vision. So as your kid's running for the Hot Wheels, you're running for the cool new six pack of beer. And guess what? You both fucking lost. You lost your kid and that beer tastes like shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we stick with our standards of tequila That's beer, right. and the things that we really really like you know why be right. like i can't believe you don't break out and do new shit well i'm almost 50 and the reason i don't is because i've already done all that it's not fun the only thing still fun is road trips because i get to complain about people's driving the whole fucking time. <laughs> just like, I can't believe that. I saw this movie. Holy shit. Also, oh, it was on, I think it's on Netflix. I forget what it's on. This guy drove from New York, New York, to LA in 29 hours. What? Yep. What drugs was he on? What car did he have? What road did he take? He had a BMW M5, blue sedan. He had a spotter plane that was, and he had, um, you know, the, the jammers. He didn't have a, he only had a radar detector. He had radar jammers. Wow. And he had three cop radios and all this other shit, right? So he heard them when they're like, there's uh, been uh, several semis calling in about a car doing a hundred. So he averaged 99 miles an hour. To average 99, when you think about stopping, yeah. getting gas, yeah. and still going, it was something crazy. Like he was at like top speed was like 145 consistent. Like wow. just floating. Wow. Yeah. I'm nuts. I think I have like topped out at like 110, 115 on like 100 yards 200 yard stretch where i thought i knew i could get away with it my forearms hurt because i was holding on to the steering wheel so tight because i was just ready to flip hoping to god i wasn't yeah i mean i'm looking at i see that and i was like are you what the f are you sure this is this is the this is okay bro i mean 140 get out of here i've done 125 on a road well at 140 you're doing a football field every second not only that, but you don't know the roads. You don't no. know the roads you're on. You no. know the regulations of the roads, especially at night. There's just, wow, there's too many variables. One little dip. Right? One little dip. I mean, we were doing 110 in that Honda on Highway 93. And mm -hmm. both you and Brett and me at hitting 100, we're like, we can slow down. We just, we're not going to catch. We're, it's not worth it. And that's the flattest, straightest road on planet Earth. That makes Texas seem hilly. 
<laughs> if the alien's gonna get you in Nevada, it's gotta be flat. It's gotta be perfect. But the alien is just gonna like, pick him up. That's right. They need a long road to scoop. It's gotta. It gotta work. They gotta work it. Get down and the aim on that long narrow road. That's right. Hey, in all of your journeys and everything you've done, mm. you know, um, you know, we've got my cousin Vinny. We got Vinny. We got Marissa. To let's real quick. Let's talk about Marissa Tomei because Marissa Tomei has, has has done. She has moved from this. I mean, she's always stayed a great actor. She's always been it. She's still a great actor. Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, the King of Staten Island, she plays a mom. Mm -hmm. But she is one of the few sex symbols that has transitioned to mom and done uh, well. Yeah. I mean, listen, Pamela Anderson, try to put her as a mom in a movie. Can't do it. Even, even with her actually being a mom, it's, it'd be... It'd be it'd be a hard one to sell it. Right. <laughs> it's just actually being a mom. She's like, she's a mom and I don't believe it. She's a mom and I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know if I buy the mom thing. I don't know about all that. I don't know about the mom. <laughs> Definitely had sex. We get that part. We're good. We understand that. Um, you know, let's think about the, like Rosie Perez. She's not playing a mom. No. no. She's She's still trying to do the action thing, and yep. uh, you know, God bless her for it. Um, she's 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 got a look mm -hmm. and uh, and a voice. She does have the voice. She was in uh, that Birds of Prey, the one that just came out. With, yeah, uh, what's her name? I was very surprised to see her in it. She did good. She did really good, actually. I was I was blown away. She wasn't as voicey, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm with you. She toned it down and did a did a did a hell of a job. But I'm trying to think of sex symbols from our generation that have turned into moms. And I mean, not saying that those two ladies aren't good or great actors, but that transition. I mean, Marissa Tomei has has figured it out. She went from stomping outside of some southern city, there's no Chinese food here, to being a mom and still killing it. I mean, I guess her and maybe Halle Berry. Well, well, when was Halle Berry? Oh, she was a mom in that uh, that one movie where she was on the road, or somebody was. Yeah, and then she was. Wasn't she a mom in Sling Blade? She was a mom. Mom, I forgot she was a mom in Sling Blade. I forgot. Mm. What did she do in Sling Blade other than that that great that scene? Bird, the great the great bird scene? I call it the bird scene because that's when they showed a bird, and yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, forgot she was a mom. <laughs> and her body's gotten better since then. Right? Dude, I follow her on Instagram, and I'm just <laughs> like, I should probably do some sit-ups. I'm not going to, but I should probably do some. <laughs> I, so I am such a narcissist, and you know this about me, but uh, for the other, like, I was, uh, I bought these, uh, well, I, I, I didn't buy, I should, let me preface. This group reached out to me and sent me some stuff and said, hey, we would like to sponsor your podcast and we'll give you free gear. And so I got this, um, well, you know, they got those shirts that they're trying to sell on Instagram that kind of zip up and they help you sweat more. Oh yeah, I have one of those. Yeah, so I got some for free from China. It's just thick neoprene. It's, it's just yeah, it's sweaty. Hotter, it's <laughs> a lot hotter. <laughs> hotter. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that it really works. Well, I, mean, I learned yeah. the term smoothies 
from uh, those those uh, those vests. The what? I'm sorry. The swoobies. What the, is the swoobies? The sweaty boobies. Oh yeah, no swoobies for like I find out. I will come in and look like I pissed my pants as I'm riding my bike 15 miles and the sweat pours down, my torso hits my gut, pools up there, and then finally the shirt releases it down into the shorts. <laughs> I get off my bike, my daughter's like, Gingy's the bathroom. Sweaty. I'm not gonna piss till Tuesday now because I'm I'm bone dry. I have the shakes. I need seven Gatorades. I have no electrolytes. My calcium is liquefied. <laughs> <laughs> I shit's so solid, I don't even believe it's come out yet. This is horrible. It's awful. And then what do I do? I mean, I rode 12 miles. I grab, I sit down with the family. We watch a little bit of the movie. I'm like, I got to do a podcast. Like, great. We're all going to bed. Please go outside. I'm like, absolutely. What do I do? I've already slammed three beers. <laughs> My head at 2 a.m. is going to be like, Get some orange juice there, champ. Can we get anything else besides liquor in here? Is there anything on, not the chocolate peanut butter banana bread? Something else, fuckface. Can you just have some milk? Yeah. Water. Water's good. I'll take water. So you, um, in the world of hard transitions, hmm. we, uh, we spent a couple of days in our road trip uh, yep. up on Big Mountain. Yep. I went yeah, to Big Mountain, and um, yeah, the, you went down nowhere. That's where we're going. Yeah, <laughs> that's where we're going. So, what? Um, you went skiing on Big Mountain. I uh, did. Brett and I did not. Nope, we, did not. We, um, we stayed home and drank with Brenda, which probably should have gone skiing. Hindsight being twenty twenty. Well, and 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 on my side, I'm thinking I I I probably should have should have stayed with you guys after that day. <laughs> Well, did, weren't you, but you also, you drank with my mom the night before. I, well, yeah. Okay. So yeah, there was, there's no right answer. It was, whatever was going to happen was going to happen. <laughs> was, I mean, and she was not nice to us when she was drinking with us. People would see, I talk about my mom. She was a five, one Irish woman, very religious. And there was a moment during that trip. There was like four moments during that trip where she was like, I'm not religious. Fuck you guys. We're going to drink. I'm going to show you what it's like to be Irish. <laughs> And she did to all of us. Yes. All men over six feet tall, all men over 200 pounds, woman, 115 pounds, five feet tall, bright red hair, drank us all under the table. <laughs> Literally you under the table one night. Yes. All of us <laughs> under the table. <laughs> so you went skiing the next day and um, I, don't, I don't even know about the accident that happened that hurt the shoulder that you just got fixed so run us through this timeline real quick please <laughs> okay uh i had a fantastic day skiing on big mountain I it's got a great a, mountain right i got a picture taken at the very top of the mountain that was so picturesque that it looked like it was painted behind me and i looked like a freaking model out of uh, uh some sort of a men's health magazine a benetton i got my k2s i got my gray jacket i'm doing the smile i'm all teeth Great quaff, look at <laughs> and it's 97. It is 97, isn't it? Shit. <laughs> About uh, 20 minutes later, uh, I caught- Why did he throw that dude that's 23 years ago? Oh yeah, oh yeah. 23 years ago, it's actually more than 23 years ago now, that you were on top of Big Mountain. 
Yeah, I, I get, I, the reason why I always remember is because I gauged from when I had uh, the long hair, when I was uh, the Jesus Christ for a, a short minute. Yep. Super long. And my sister refers to that as the years she had a sister. And um, I, cut, I, prefer, I, I prefer it. I see it as the year we had a brown Jesus. So I, I like it. I, I rocked that hair. I did. I rocked that hair. You did rock that hair. Like Desperado with a beard. Uh. And so I cut it off and um, then we went to Montana and I went skiing and yes, beautiful quaff and great picture. And like 20 minutes later, I must've caught a branch. I don't know what I did, but I, I mean, I helicoptered like, like a beautiful movie with lots of powder and slow motion and the music, uh, the uh, Rimsky course, not the, the Carl Orff. Duh, 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 oh, duh. nice. I'm spinning and I'm loopy looping. And when it was all said and done, I came up and I thought to myself, I think I did something uh, to my shoulder. Uh, I'll fix it when I get back. That's as far as I went with it. 23 years later. Nah, I digress. 22 years later. 22 years later. I'm walking with my seven pound Shih Tzu in the backyard because he was afraid to go through the doggy door. And I pick him up to walk through the screen door and the inertia of the screen door and my seven pound dog walking into the screen door, I accidentally walked into the screen door, humorous, my nose hurt, but then I hit my shoulder and something ripped in my shoulder like I'd, I'd never felt that pain. And I dropped my dog and I yelped in pain and I, uh, I went to the doctor. The doctor uh, sent me to um, a physical therapist for six, seven weeks. They could not figure out what was wrong with me. So they finally sent me to an MRI, got an MRI, uh, went and saw orthopedic specialist. He said, well, you see that dark gray area right there? He said, that literally looks like a hole that's been blown in your shoulder because you tore a ligament several years back, never healed it. You had muscles grow over it and whatever tendons were connected ripped when you hit your, do hit your screen door with your dog. No. So muscles grew over <laughs> an area and then the muscles were like, I'm tired. I got to go. I'm done. I can't believe this other bitch didn't. I mean, listen, we're here to help. Not here forever. So I, I really, it, the way that it was explained to me at first was that it just healed itself, but no, muscles grew over like weeds and branches, but the, the injury stayed there. It never reattached itself. As a matter of fact, there are muscles that I didn't use for 20 something years in my uh, scapel track area. Those little bat things that come out of your, out of your back, the little bones that come in the back. I have muscles that were attached to that that haven't been used in years. And so uh, I asked the doctor, I was like, okay, so you're recommending surgery? He said, yes, I'm recommending surgery. I said, well, when, when would this be? He said, well, I'll put you this way. If you don't get the surgery done within the next few weeks, you possibly could lose mobility in your arm. Dude. Yeah, it was that serious. <laughs> it was a 22 years. <laughs> Folks, go see your doctor. Jesus, go, see, go get a checkup. I would say, don't be a stubborn man. Don't be a stubborn woman. If it hurts, just go get it checked out. Let them tell you it's something's wrong with it. Get it fixed. Don't put it off. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking from a literally experience right now. Uh, that was um, that was an interesting uh, that was an interesting time. Um, 
when we were in college, right? I mean, the first year I was there, the uh, I believe the Rodney King verdict came out ninety five, ninety six, right? Uh, that Rodney King or was that OJ? OJ, because we watched it in chapel. That's right, watched it in chapel. <laughs> Uh, you know, and there were some minor um, riots and there were some uh, obvious protests. Um, you know, we have, uh, you've spent a lot more time in SoCal, but you've also, you know, you've spent time as a, 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 as a, as a person who served this country, as a, as a veteran. Um, what's going on today? All this mm. shit is happening. The defund the police, the, I, I would say, we should probably just give them better training. I would like to see every police officer be treated idealistically. Obviously, I live in an idealistic world of my brain that goes, I would like to see every cop have a blue belt in jujitsu. I just would. Um, I'd like to give them more money if it goes to training, if it goes to training on, on psychology, if it goes to training on, on, um, on physical interaction that helps them, that de-escalates. Like, I, always, I, I see Krav Maga, Kung Fu, uh, karate as escalating, right? They're responsive, or as I see jujitsu as de-escalating. Because you can still be the smallest person and have a huge person get on you, and you can be like, mm, I'm gonna move you over here, don't worry about it, it's gonna be okay, it's just gonna hurt, because it's your pinky. Yeah. You have literally gone through professional physical training. Mm. You have taken some of the best of the best in the world, out in the middle of the ocean and all of a sudden they're just not in your boat anymore. And you're like, well, time to go back. <laughs> you've done some amazing things, but you've also had just amazing training. More importantly, that training is also about community and culture and understanding that you're surrounded by so many different people, so many different backgrounds. Yeah. And I think that's lacking. What is, what would be a piece of advice as someone who really, you know, embodied, I don't care where you're from, we're in this together, which mm -hmm. is military service. Yeah. And everything you've gone through to, to working for businesses, to building your own business, to having goals to build your own business farther. When you see what's going on, what pause or what information, you, what, what would you tell the young people out there, not the little kids, but you know the 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 high schools graduating, the the college kids graduating, the twenty somethings that are out there that, uh, you know, for for better part of six months have not only missed that engagement, but more importantly, probably for the better part of another year are going to miss a, a more important part of that engagement, the engagement that 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 you lived and breathed, mm -hmm. that helped you understand a kid from Montana, that helped you understand a Brett Lucetta who's half Italian that helped you understand a Chris Mills from Colorado, that helped you understand the religious right, the liberal left, and everything in between that happened in our university, and then more importantly, how we grew as friends after that, because you just have this, we've always said this about you, Scott, you have this level, and it's right there. Mine is not there, obviously. Mine is not there. We all know mine is not there. For those of you who are just first listening, rewind a couple episodes, but seriously, mine's not there. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a psycho. I love everybody, but I'm crazy. And you just have this, <laughs> this level and people can't see that. I, I, I love this, right? I, I do things and people are like, what was he doing? I get these emails, <laughs> what were you doing? I'm like, shit, I don't know. I don't record the video. 
We're standing on the chair. The video, the video, so I can see Scott. Fuck you guys. <laughs> it's about. I got to connect with my buddy. Shut up. <laughs> no, what is what is that? What do you you know? It's, a, I, it's the longest questions. So I apologize. No, it's okay. I I I think the the biggest takeaway that I've had in my life that I have I've implemented, um, which it always comes in the forefront of my head every single time that there are issues, um, is is this this term that I was told a million years ago, um, and that's a term called be slow to speak. Um, Ooh, I'm not I'm not that. The, the the term is not intended for you to be quiet. The term is intended for you to listen because you cannot give an articulate answer if you don't know what you're answering. If you're, if you're so quick to react, then you're, then you're sometimes going to miss, miss the boat. Um, I, in this time of, of issues, I, I have best friends that are on both sides of the fence and it's, and it's hard because I hear what both of them have to say. And um, take, for instance, I have, I have a friend I, I grew up with since we were 10, 11 years old. Um, he's, uh, he's African-American and uh, he's very, very much a Republican. Um, was he angry about all these issues? Absolutely. Does he have resolve in his uh, opinions? Absolutely. I have a friend on the other side of that who's very much um, Democrat, far left-leaning, but he comes from a place of data where everything that he says is based on data. When I listen to both of them, it, it, I do it for the purpose of taking what they have to say and chewing the meat and spitting the bone because there's some relevance and there's some things that are just well, I, I, I hear you, I understand you, I might not agree with you, but I, I, I know where you're coming from. Um, I am, I'm not one for uh, debating, especially when, when people start talking over each other. I don't have time for that. Um, I do think that um, it is okay for people to be angry. I think it's okay for people to be upset, but, but um, what you do versus how you feel makes all the difference in the world on how I'm going to perceive what you're trying to accomplish. But Scott, I mean, I've, you know, I've, we've talked about the 20 plus years that I've, that I've known you and I've, I, you know, we've, I've walked you, I've watched you walk through some dark alleys. I've watched you walk through some dark times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, my friend, you have always to me, and the people that I know around you, I've had that look right there. Subtle smile, a calm, a presence, a peace, and it's gonna work out because I'm right. It's gonna work out because this is not the end. It's gonna work out because this is, this is not the darkness, this is a shadow. Mm. How do you keep that? Is, is, I mean, is that attitude part of just, is that, the military part or is that a personality part of you? What, what part of that, uh, of, of you being able to walk through hellacious things, hellacious bullshit. I mean, I remember the bullshit where I was screaming you told me to calm down. <laughs> saying it's happening to me. Why are you so mad? I love you. Yeah. But Jason, it's going to all work out. Don't worry. It'll all, it's bullshit. Don't worry about it. I'm like, I'm going to call the fucking news. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Murray right now. I'm going to burn this fucker to the ground. And you're like, don't. 
every one of my every every other one of my friends that have gone through anything remotely like you to this day have called me help me burn the motherfucker to the ground <laughs> and i don't think that's a good thing i happen to sometimes have resources to allow that to happen and i've, I've, I've made some calls but <laughs> i think it's more important of the attitude that you have that i want that i've always tried to learn from that i just can't figure out how you do it, how you have that, how you have peace and have, and, and all the, listen, if there's somebody who should be bitter, <laughs> probably you should, you, you, you could, you could have the bitter cube and I'd be like, that eh, yeah. that should be bitter. I, if you I, don't, you are the, you are the nicest person. You call and I instantly want to answer because I know it's going to be a fun conversation and you're going to laugh and your laughter is going to make me smile and laugh. <laughs> Even in the bullshit, when you called me first about your company, you were talking about the other bullshit you were going through and everything else, you were laughing and smiling and talking to me about it. I was getting frustrated. I was sweating on the other end. <laughs> How do you do that? Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I think I just, I always sit on the positive side of life because I, I, sometimes I just don't have a choice and I'm not going to, I haven't seen the value of bitter party of one. Um, <laughs> bitter party of one. <laughs> I just happened. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be in a new club in uh in Vegas, and it's only for people who just got divorced. Bitter party of one. Everyone just you get a bottle of champagne, you get a drink by yourself, do not talk to anyone, and you can't have your phone out. Bitter party of one, get over here. <laughs> I, I just can't do it. I mean, I've, I've had some, I've had some, some downs, man. And I've had some things happen that just were, they weren't my fault. Not, not at all. But, but uh, that, that this too shall pass that whole Zen master thing. It, I, I just decide that I'm just going to take it one step at a time until I get through it and get over it. And I think that philosophy really, really kind of came from my dad. Um, you know, I, I, I have always loved and revered my dad and it's been the hardest thing in the world as an adult to kind of see his shortcomings um, to the point to where I have a hard time even acknowledging that they exist. I'd rather, I'd rather blame the other one, but it's not fair. I, I have to acknowledge that, you know? Yeah. I'm but with there's, you. Some, there's some positive things that my dad did uh offer me and that was that he he had this uh he had this uh, uh what's 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 the brady the brady in the brady bunch what's a dad's name um oh what I'm, I'm the worst sam elliott i called him sam donaldson all through uh all, all through a movie and people are like you fucking moron i hate you and I was like, I make mistakes. They're like, you made a mistake. It's Roadhouse. It's Sam Elliott. I'm like, Sam Donaldson's great in this movie. <laughs> he really reports on how this should get done. So, in, so there's a there's a silly quote that wherever you go, there you are, and yeah. and so it it can always apply even when you don't want it to apply. And it's the most frustrating thing ever because it it always comes back to self-reflection. 
no matter if you were the one that screwed over, if you were the one that got screwed, if you were the one that was justifiably in the right or you were justifiably in the wrong, it doesn't matter. It always ends up coming back to you. That small little philosophical statement. And, and my dad had a very, very similar quote. Uh, it had, he, he would say it every single time uh, something would go afoul in my life. Um, and, and he would look at me and he would just calmly go, well, what are you going to do? And, and that's about all he would say. And, and I had to come up with the plan based on that because he wasn't going to tell me anything else. He wasn't going to give me the path. He wasn't going to give me. Isn't your dad Confucius? <laughs> He's just like, well, what are you going to do? Well, I was hoping you, you were going to let me know what I was going to do. That's why I come to you. <laughs> Obviously not. Thanks. Obviously, I had that question in my head. And I sat with you, the expert. My father gave me one extra piece of advice on top of that one time. And it's something he only said it one time. And it was, it was right on the cusp of me going into the military. And, and the, the words were this. Well, if you don't want to do what I do, then you better do something else. And, and I just had to take that and, and figure out the next wave of life because I was obviously not a, a baby boomer. Uh, I was a Gen Xer and, and therefore any rules that applied to him did not apply to me. So I had to figure out exactly what that was, including what am I didn't even know I was Gen X yet because the Gen X motto is, you know, Dude, don't that- know where we're going, but we know where we've been. Yeah. Uh, that's all I had. So I have routinely in all of that and all of that big overshare, I have done my best to really own what's mine and, and dust off what is not mine and figure out a plan on how to move forward because tomorrow's tomorrow. And if tomorrow doesn't work, then the next day is going to work. And, and all I know is I got today and I got, and I'm praying for tomorrow. And that, that philosophy has kept me going for a really, really, really long time. And man, I'm telling you, I have, I have taken that card, that, that, that card of, of cashing this golden ticket in. And I have, man, I've, I've taken it and I, I've put the dust off it and I have, I've blown on it and I've stuck it in each pocket and I, you know, I pulled it out to remind myself that it's, gonna work and and you know when it's all said and done i'll, I'll ask the good lord upstairs or, you know well, why'd you give me dove's life and he'll say on, didn't you <laughs> i mean do, do did the kids when you're like do you did you give the kids the same advice that your dad gave you if they come to you and they're like this is my problem dad and you go huh what i do you, you know with my great advice i mean at the end of the day the idea of instead of saying figure it out for yourself you've got a brain and i raised you the right way this idea of well what are you going to do and you're like oh man he trusts me to figure this out like inherently in the back of your brain right that's the act that's the response is oh he trusts me yeah that's not exactly the 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 notion i took i was more like (laughs) 
because I expected I expected the 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 old man, the Indian man in the teepee. I expected the old man at the fence, you know, as we're both chewing a piece of alfalfa, and he's just going to give me this answer to life. And and I not only did not get an answer, I got a question. And yeah. The question is, what you can do. What are you going to do? You you wanted Kevin Costner or Kane from Kung Fu, and you got a question. Yeah. And that, that has driven me. That's been my fuel, my oil, my gas, my everything through, through thick and thin, through ups and downs, through hurts, traumas, tr uh, things that, that, that should never have happened to anybody. And I would never wish in a million years on anybody uh, I've been able to get through. And, and with my kids, you know, I, we, we have a split family. And, um, and I know that there is um, things that they hear on the other side that uh, I, I just, I hope and pray that, that they're able to uh, chew the meat and spit the bone and that they're able to navigate themselves through um, what is truth and what is perception and emotion. Perception and emotion. Um, and what I do is I, I try to instill in them basic parenting 101 in, in a borderline militant fashion. Not that I don't love them first, um, but I'm hard on them. I am. I'm, I'm hard and I'm strict and I, and I reiterate to them on a regular basis. I'm not your friend first. Uh, never have been. Isn't, that, isn't that crazy? I, I do the same <laughs> with my daughter. We were the funnest people at college mm -hmm. <laughs> we arguably even outside of college so much fun like people are like what are you guys gonna do hey where can we run with you <laughs> we were team fun and pushing boundaries and we're now we're around kids that do that and now we are the strictest parents i mean i have parents calling me going hey your daughter did not have to come over here and apologize <laughs> I'm like, yeah, she did. <laughs> because I need her a little bit better than me. And I was a maniac. So welcome to Thunderdome, kid. This is how it works. Yeah, I I I have to make sure that I do balance uh the the strict parenting with love and affection that sure. um that doesn't come with some sort of a uh, I don't know. Doesn't come with an ulterior motives from their perspective, because um, I don't want them to ever feel like I'm trying to make up for how mean I was. I want them to feel like there was just a balance that that where I come from is 100% love driven, and um, you know if if they feel that it's out of line, I'm, I'm, I give them that space to tell me, and then I also tell them will allow me to retort, and in which case uh, I do, and. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I one time my 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 daughter was uh, very 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 adamant as to uh, telling me um, where she was uh, in the uh, authority chain by telling me um, that uh, I was not first in the house. Um, so just to kind of summarize that they, I, I have the stepdaughter and she said, you know, I was here first and it took, mm, I think it took her eight months to tell me that. And, um, this was after I had scolded her on something and she stopped and like stared at me hard, hard stare and said, you know, I was here first. 
And I looked around and I clapped for her. I did. I full on clapped just like that. You're right. You were here first, but I'm here now. And she ran off. And <laughs> the, <laughs> I'm, hey, guess what? Okay. <laughs> and we've, you know, we've had good boundaries. Um, and, and I feel that, uh, that in, in working with them and giving them good balance, I'm, I'm able to invoke a little bit of the things that I wish my parents would have been a little bit more not emotionally parenting. Because uh, I think that's where things kind of went afoul, um, you know, growing up is I, I think uh, my parents' plight to parent was so emotionally driven that uh, it got lost in translation. You know, sure. I mean, I can, I can respect a beating, not that I do it. I don't hit, I don't hit my kids, but I, I don't fault somebody for doing it. If it's not emotionally driven, if it's emotionally driven, then you, you need to check yourself. But my parents. Uh, question for you on, on the hitting part real quick. Yeah. So my thing is I have a daughter. Um, I, I won't, I, I'm not, if my wife wanted to spank her, I'm not, I'm not against it. I can't. And I, the reason I can't is because, or I won't, not that I can't, I won't, I won't. And the reason I won't is because when she's 20 or 30 or 40, I don't want my rhetoric to her to influence an abusive relationship. That being I'm hitting you, my, this is what I, and by the way, this is off of my background. I got hit a lot. Probably some te probably some concussions in there. But it was like I'm doing this because I love you. Like I'm I, this is punishment, and punishment is love sometimes. And my thing is, is I will not hit my daughter and say I'm doing this because I love you. And then if she gets hit and some dude says the same thing to her, mm. I don't want her to get caught in a cycle. Yeah, I don't. And if she marries a girl, I don't want the girl to do the same thing. I don't, I don't really care. I don't want that message being carried on. I'm with you. You want to discipline your kids a different way? You go right ahead. I'm not against it. I 100% agree. The emotional part, get it out. But also, it's the emotional part of the ripple effect of, of, the, uh, of the concentration of where does this carry them? Where does this little tidal wave carry them? Yeah. I remember the first time I was spanked. I... And not a good or a bad thing. I just remember. I also remember emotional times. I remember more of the emotional times I was hit than the punishment times. In fact, I only remember the emotional times I was hit. My mom being mad at me and and hitting me with a belt. And I went and I was like, oh, this is hilarious. I'm 12 and you're trying to spank me and you're five one and I'm already like, you know, five nine and yeah. 180 pounds. Yeah. And so what is she doing? She's just whipping me with a belt. Well, that's emotion, right? I mean, that's the emotional side that you want to avoid. Right. Lee uh, grabbing me by the hair, literally grabbing me by the hair and taking one step and kicking me in the butt with the other to the car because I hid from him because I was, I was embarrassed about something mm. as we were moving. That was emotional. He was embarrassed. And so he took it out, right? My kid, I'm calling for my kid. There, he's not answering. I'm mad. I've had some Budweiser's. Here we go. And I catch myself because, as you know, I'm a very emotional person. 
And I catch myself, I'm like, today I'm sitting outside. The, uh, my daughter and her little friend are playing in the pool. And I've got shit I have to do. And I'm on my phone doing it because I got to watch the kids play because there's no school, there's no summer camps. That's, that's okay. And I'm happy she has a friend here. But all of a sudden it's like, can you blow this up? Can you do this? Can you do this? I'm like, sure. And then one of the blow ups knocks over my drink and it's just a water. I'm like, fuck, now I got to go inside and get the fucking water and I got to clean up the mess. And I'm glad your inner tube's blown up. Jesus, can you fucking play? And it's like, well, and then I'm hearing the story and then I'm hearing this and they're running. I'm like, don't run. And then I'm like, and all of a sudden I realized I caught myself. I'm like, Ooh, this is an emotional response. This is an emotional response because you want a little quiet to work, but you can't put your headphones in because there's two little kids swimming in a pool. Right. Yeah. right? So yeah. let's not have any deaths, <laughs> but also let's, let's gear up for why are you geared up? Oh, you're not getting what you want. And in not getting what you want, you also have to hear six-year-old and seven-year-old chatter. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because you, you, you don't know the dynamic of a child's mind where, where they're asking you, Daddy, look at me. Daddy, look at me. Daddy, look yes. at me. And you have to look every time. And that seventh time that you don't look is going to traumatize them into their adulthood. And what could you do about it? Thank you. Thing. I know that disciplining kids is, is, it's such a gray area. It's huge. And, and, and you take all the biblical principle, you take all the, the, the psychological principle and you take all the things that experts on and, and each, it really comes down to each kid is its own entity and each entity has its own structure because my dad got hit one time. My great aunt got hit. Never three other kids got hit and they all ended up terrible. My dad spanked me, I'd say maybe five times in my entire life. And I remember at least three of them and every single one of them, I deserved beyond deserved. And I actually felt bad for him that he was going to have to do what he did. My last whooping, I was 15, almost 16 years old. I got caught gambling in the shop class and I almost got into a fist fight with a kid who happened to have a dad who worked with my dad. And that was the only reason why he spanked me was because I, uh, I had almost gotten into a fight with this kid for shooting dice <laughs> at 16 years old, but I deserved it. It was a bad situation. My, my mom, on the other hand, you know, I, I remember getting my, getting my ass beat at four in the morning because I was hungry eating peanut butter. And that psychologically scarred me to the point to where now, if I wake up in the middle of the night and I decide, you know what, I'm going to have peanut butter. I flip my mom off every time. I'm fucking 48 years old. I flip my mom off because I'm eating peanut butter. You know, there's no rhyme or reason. <laughs> you just wake up, you're like, you know what, first of all, this is going to be great. Secondly, mom, I don't know where you're at, but I'm just going to fly this bird real quick. And then peanut butter. Who's to know what works and what doesn't work? You just, you do your best and you try to leave the emotions out, but how can you? They're children and they have one button that they know how to push and that's your button. Yeah. And they know it well and they do it well. And it's, <laughs> it is, um, I mean, fuck man, you got to get a license to have a car and you can just pop out kids. And it's, uh, it's, it's scary to me. It really is. I mean, we're, you know, this, 
everything that's happening right now, all the stuff that's going on, my greatest concern for kids is the thing that we lived better than any other generation, social interaction. Yeah. No generation did better with social interaction, angst, separating groups and bringing groups together. No generation has done it better than Gen X. Hmm. I, I just, I, I, because we worked, mm -hmm. we took the jobs, millennials and those others, they can't say they took the jobs, right? We mm -hmm. took the shit jobs, we took the good jobs, we saw our friends succeeded, well, we failed, we saw all this stuff. And our group, this little timeline of people, I would argue is the least racist, the least woke, you know, as far as like, we just jump on bandwagons, we compare and contrast and we try to find a middle ground, right? Yeah. We yep. are that, we are that middle lining. And I'm concerned for kids now because there was a resurgence of that. There was this kind of like this whole thing of interaction and grabbing different kids. And I mean, even, you know, it's from, oh, this older kid's now going to hang out with my younger kid to show her what it's like to be a fifth grader. Yeah, You know, all this interaction stuff that was really blending into this group of you can go do music, you can go do X, Y, and Z, but you can all be different. But in being different, understand that we're all coming from the same place, which is love, respect, and kindness and finding joy. And in finding joy, holding on to happiness as long as you can. From the French derivative of happen by chance, hold yeah. on to happiness as long as you can. And COVID has thrown a, a, a hook into that. And uh, I would, you know, in, in caution and respect for everyone that's lost lives and everyone's been sick, I don't, I don't diminish what I, I'm not trying to diminish what's happened to them by saying this should be the thing. But either way, we have to figure out a, way, a new way to interact. Or B, we have to figure out a new way to engage, you know, and we will figure out a new way to be post-COVID. Mm that brings what I believe is the best of humanity that we've seen, which is our generation. Yeah. We got fucked by boomers. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> we had younger people getting paid more than us with less experience, with bigger titles because they graduated from college and said, I'm woke and, and companies bowed. And all of a sudden I have a, 22 year old boss making $400,000 a year telling me, I don't know what's going on in the world because I'm middle of the road and balanced and I don't respond to everything instantly. Yeah. And there was a transition. There was a change there where I believe that, man, the kids of these, of this world, and I still think it can happen and it still should happen. I think it's going to happen more regionally and locally is, are you having those conversations? Are you letting your kids have those? Are you making sure that if your kid, doesn't get along with Tommy or Susie or whoever it is, are you finding out why? Are they pricks or is it they don't know how to communicate? And if they don't know how to communicate, good, go hang out with them again. It, uh, it, it's been such an eye opener as to uh, find the, the proper approach uh, on how to educate, teach, love, nurture, these kids of mine. Uh, it, it. <laughs> and by the way, folks, 
the reason we laugh about this is you got to remember almost 30 years ago we were graduating from college but more importantly you were graduating from college I, I got <laughs> yeah well you you took an option um but you guys we hung out we were we were literally the guys that weren't going to have kids and we are the guys with kids and i will say this from friends that i know from scott that tell me they're like hey you know scott I'm like, of course man, we're friends do you know what a great daddy is do you know how great he is with kids do you get i'm like yeah of course i believe that they're like no but i'm like yes why the fuck would you say that to me they're like well no i knew you in college they're like jay you're a great dad i'm like thanks they're like no no i couldn't believe you're a great dad i'm like <laughs> what like well no i knew you in college i knew you right out of college i knew you as the guys you and brett and and scott and others john you're never going to get married you're not going to have kids you're not living in that world because it's broken and here we are married with kids <laughs> and we're the benchmark and maybe we're the benchmark because of two things one we're not friends with our kids and I agree with you 100%. Man, my kid's like, are we friends? I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, dad, I love you. I'm like, I love you. We're not friends. <laughs> friends are equals. I, I, I consistently remind my children, I'm not your buddy. You don't talk to me that way. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, I tell my daughter, I'm like, hey, kiss on the cheek, little kiss on the lip is fine. Hanging out. No, no, no. Get out of here. She's like, why would you talk to me that way? I'm like, because you're my daughter. You're not my fucking friend. Or you're not my wife. So move. <laughs> well, that's rude. You know what rude is? It's not rude. This is boundaries. Rude's a whole different game, champ. That's right. And, uh, and we're going to have some fun with rude <laughs> when you're ready for those words. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> hey, question for you on, yeah. the, on, the, on the kid tip and on the fact that, you know, uh, my cousin Vinny, he's in the courtroom. As you mentioned in the beginning, right? He's he's doing it. He's not doing it. He's 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 really he's, he's cusping. He's on the edge of of greatness and failure, and he's always just riding this line. He stays. We're assuming he stays with law after this movie, right? Mm -hmm. I was in Whitefish, Montana. I was in Costa Mesa, California. I was on top of Big Mountain. I have seen you play the piano. I have heard you sing. I have watched women jump up on a table, go over beams that are on the ceiling, like a monkey crawl across to throw their panties at you, and then to crawl back to their boyfriend and go, he's a good voice, and I wonder who had the pants. <laughs> and Stop. I wonder as a successful Maybe. businessman <laughs> and as a man who has kids this is a hard thing dreams reality fulfillment desire and drive you are one of arguably the most talented friends I have all around you really are well, thank you and you, with 
a great voice and a great ear for music and a great touch for, for musical instruments. We just talked about how you want to sell like, you know, 5 million pounds of, 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 of frozen produce in the next couple of years. What one, what changed that, mm. uh, that, that moved? And then, and then two, is there a part of you that still feeds that and waters that little plant and goes, Hey, in a nursing home, <laughs> granny panties and the pens are going to be flying at me again, just like whitefish. 1997 son <laughs> i mean what do you, you know and you guys so you got a kid he's like i want to be a comic book artist you're like great i don't have comic books for me around when you're and she's like well i want to be an artist you're like okay well what'd you say i want to be a singer look what i'm doing now i just i i don't you know i'm just as 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 a parent who's as talented as you are in multiple areas how do you guide the kids so I have spent many, many years being a, a student of myself because I have been through so many different things and it's, and it's, it's been torturous for me to figure out where, where my place is. And, and I'll tell you, that actually started with the fact that my mom was very white and my dad was very Mexican and I was one of the original uh, mixed race kids. And, and, you know, I got the first name Scott, very white guy, and I got the last name Castanon, i.e. Castanon, very Mexican, growing up in a culture of uh, white private school, uh, middle to upper income, with my father wanting the best for me, not wanting me to be exposed to such a lower class of Hispanic culture, uh, but doing me a disservice by not teaching me how to speak Spanish. I, I, I was constantly in this identity crisis of where do I fit? I'm not white. I'm not brown. The Mexicans feel I'm white. The white people feel I'm Mexican. And I had I, I had to find my own place. I had to create who who Scott Gastonon was. And and on top of that, I have I have this love and this passion for music. Um, but the the hard part was is that I didn't. I didn't, uh, I couldn't cultivate that in any one particular thing. I, I didn't realize that I could be an artist. I could be uh, a singer. I could be a musician. And, and I didn't have to do anything with it. I could just be, I could just use those as, as my talent. And, and I could cultivate those for my own ways to express without having to find some sort of a monetary drive behind it. And it took me many, many years to realize that because those were outlets. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what a talent is. It's an outlet. Uh, it's a creative side that, that, that needs to come out of you and it, and it creates um, a, a different side of who you are. It makes you a whole rounded person. It, it just took me a really long time to realize that, to figure that out. Um, so going through all the years of good things, bad things, I was always on this constant quest of trying to figure myself out and, and trying to create these identities of, of what makes me me instead of just embracing what makes me me and just being Scott. And, and I think if I would have figured that out, I wouldn't have been on such a quest to, to have this big platform of, 
hey, look at how awesome I am. Hey, look at what I can do. Hey, look at look at me and and come and take your drawers off as quick as you can and let me show you how you're going to do it. <laughs> I realized that when you sang me. and played piano on top of Big Mountain, you had women throwing their panties at you. This is not an exaggeration. This is, <laughs> I mean, this, none of what I've said is, and I, am, I speak in hyperbole a lot. That's literally the truest statement. Climbing across rafters. Remember, yes. there was a girl who could, there was a band that was playing, there was a piano. I knew the bar owner. You said you wanted to play. I said, do you mind? He goes, does he suck? I said, fuck, I don't know. I think he's good. Jesus, Jason, fine, go. The band, you walked out, the band's like, what are you doing? It's like the bar manager's like, no, 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 no. He's like, okay. And then you did it and there was a rush to the stage. There was a legitimate rush to the stage. And then some crazy Canadian bitch was like, I'm going to climb on the rafters and throw my panties. <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's a, but it's, it's also, it's a thing where you go, you know, I mean, my daughter, my house, there's no musical talent. There's none. It doesn't exist. And that's okay. It also breeds an environment where I love music. So my daughter, like, Tonight, she's like, I'm gonna take a bath. Dad, can I listen to Muddy Waters? And I'm like, oh, yeah, 100%. Like, that's Get some culture, understand how music, where it came from. She's also the same girl that goes, you know, I was listening to Maroon 5. This is a girl who cannot sing, cannot play a musical instrument to save her life. She goes, I was, I was listening to Maroon 5. And yeah, they're pretty good. She goes, he's a little pitchy sometimes, but I, 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 like, I like his energy. <laughs> I'm just like, kid. You can't sing at all. And you're in the car, and I imagine a song comes on that everyone knows, and you sing, and the kids are like, Jesus, Dad can fucking sing. <laughs> he can sing. Fucking frozen vegetables over here? This motherfucker. Have you not seen the voice? Dad, Dad, do you know about the voice? Do you know about the, the America's Got Talent? Do you know about these other things? Like, what's going on? You're like, yeah, 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 I know. I figured out balance. I figured out that all these other things that God bless, I hope you guys figure out before I'm dead and gone, you little psychopaths. What do you, I mean, dude, you, you've accomplished so much. You really have, but how do you fill that void then for music? Cause that was a big part. Yeah. It's been a big part for you. So, over the last several years, um, I have done things to just kind of cultivate that need. Um, every now and then, I actually uh, still sing in a in a choir. Uh, I, hope you, I was going to say barbershop quartet, and I was like, I'm in. Yeah, no, there's no there's no uh, there's no focus on Scott. There's just uh, a chance for me to uh, throw my chops in and uh, keep them keep them going. Uh, my wife's got a really, really good friend that uh, is uh, an amazing, amazing pianist, an amazing uh, singer, and uh, he and his wife are both music teachers, and so they, uh, they, they play, and so I get a chance to chop it up with them every now and then, and there's a small little circle of friends that we get to. Uh, what do, do they with. say when they hear you? What was the first thing they said when they heard you? Because I can tell you what I said. What's the <laughs> first thing they said when they heard you? 
they they uh, it, I mean it it took a little it took a little time for them to kind of warm into my style and it took me a little time to kind of figure out you know how they how they sing and and their styles and once once they heard it they 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 told my wife you know that's that's like his true voice because there's you know I have I'm classically trained so that yeah. means that I have the ability to sing like Pavarotti if I wanted to but um I I have a jazz side that I absolutely love um you know I I, I like to say you know I, I channel my Michael Bubbles and um which we listened to on the ride from Montana I'm with <laughs> listen turn if we if there, there was a stereo that could have turned his voice down or the music up and heard you sing the whole time that would have been great but it was weird because if you don't remember right coming um leaving Idaho coming up we had Michael the Bublés on, and Brett and I, Brett and I are up front, you're in the back seat, you're laying down, you're lounging, and you're singing, and we're trying to turn the music down. We turn it down, you would sing softer. I'm like, God damn it, no. I want you to sing louder so you can sing softer. But you were like, I'm like, I turn the music up, you sing loud. I turn it down, you sing, I'm like, I want to hear Scott. And you're like, no, no, I'm just singing with him, you guys, just drive. Stop. You know, I, I, I do my best to to just keep it up to where I don't I don't lose it. Um, there will be a day that I I will pick it up once I have the time. Um, but right now, what I do in order to keep up with my musical passion is um, I spend evenings with my kids um, and we we basically run through Pandora and we play Guess Who This Is and um, everything from Cindy Lauper to Michael Jackson to Chris Stapleton to, I mean, they don't know it, but, but after I play them three or four times, then all of a sudden they start becoming familiar. And then I start playing where, where the roots came from, you know, where, where this actually started, where this beget, beget, beget. And that's, that I love more than anything, because at the end of the day, my kids are going to internalize that. And they're going to be able to appreciate music way more than the average bear and i feel like that's where i'm i'm getting my soul satisfied um way beyond uh just continuing to sing you know i i love singing i i really do um was it something that was a true driver i mean i tried my hand at hollywood uh you know i i auditioned for disney um <laughs> i don't know if i ever told you but i i when i i went and auditioned for the hunchback of notre dame show and and i went in and man i i tore it up i couldn't have had a better audition i nailed it and then a kid who was half my age came back in and nailed it just a little bit better than me i mean we're talking two degrees more and i and i felt i felt crushed like, <laughs> you're like his bravado was just <laughs> yeah how how is it that you were just just a little better than me and i know it and I liked it, and I hate him for it, and I'm crushed. You just broke my soul. I'm never singing again. Out. <laughs> <laughs> How do you? So, uh, in, in the world of, of left hand turns, in this in this uh, podcast, you know, and my cousin Vinny, uh, he's, he's he's talking to his going to be wife girlfriend. Uh, she's up there. She's talking about why the car left the traction and how this is a false statement and everything else. Yeah, yeah. But it also it shows how how passionate she is, how different they are as a couple, and also how much they love each other. Mm -hmm. It really shows that. 
your wife, what's the thing with you guys? Where's the peace? Where you're like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna give me a courtroom moment, or you're gonna give me a, a, a drive across the country, or a movie, what's the moment that you can grab and go, this is where glue, this is where we're at. Like this is the, this is the love part. Mm-hmm. Cause I haven't met her yet. So, um, so I guess the, the only way to, to answer that, to explain that is I've had a standard of, of who I felt was worthy deemed of me. I like, hold on, hold on. I love this. I love this because this is folks, you don't, you don't listen The people in Tel Aviv who are, anyone listening who's not a close personal friend of Scott and I, you don't understand the mentality of our twenties, of our drives, of our drive to Montana, of us hanging out. This is a real conversation we had about if women were gonna be good enough to be around us. So for him to say this is the truest statement that, I mean, you and I sat, we talked about, but they've gotta be, we had a standard and then we elevated it just in case so we wouldn't be mushy on our standard. Oh yeah. So I just, I mean, I want to give people that perspective because this is also about how you talk to your kids that are teenagers and, and in college, you still keep the conversation going about relationships and respect and understanding because my parents didn't. And I don't know if your parents did or not, but I know that we had this crazy altruistic, um, level or identity of what we thought a woman had to be if she was just going to be in our presence let alone hang out with us so so i i want to make sure that i i I say this right because i don't want it to get um i I don't want to send a mixed message here in at that time we were young and dumb at that time young and dumb and (laughs) and 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 i definitely I ran the mountain. I ran, I ran the roost. I, I been there, done that. And two wives and a really bad rebound later, I, I had to completely scratch my own chalkboard, completely wash it dry. And every standard that I had ever created, I had to throw in the trash, every one of them, because they had proven to me failures. And, and it's when I did that and, and I reevaluated my, my, my importance, the things that were truly, truly important outside of myself, my, my cosmetic, my selfish, my social, all of those things. And I, and I truly like looked inside my heart as to what was important. Um, then I created a, a new standard and really the new standard was only built by my wife that that I love with all my heart. I God, I, I just I cannot stop gushing on how wonderful and amazing she is because she 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 built something in me I I thought could not be built, which was which was <clears throat> stability, which was actual integrity, which was um, 
just like true, true inside who I am, um, what I bring to the table. And, and I had to, I had real to, quick, real quick on the true inside. Yeah. How uncomfortable was that to let her inside, not inside, but the true inside, as you say, yeah. How uncomfortable is that, that vulnerability? I really, I want to expose that because I think people, you know, I mean, we're blessed. We're really blessed. Yeah. We caught each other at our most egotistical and least egotistical moments of our lives and vice versa. Right. I mean, we really did. And we, you could call me and you could listen to a podcast like, Hey, Jason, man, I don't agree that you fucked up here. And I would never be offended because it's you because you've seen me at my worst and yeah. you've seen me at what I thought was my best, which wasn't. And you've told me it wasn't my best. So what's that like to not only go through that? Cause everyone's like, I got a friend like that, but what's it like to go through that? And then in the vulnerability of life, for lack of a better term, lay naked next to that person in a bed and feel good. Yeah. If you're naked next to them. The person who also knows the shittiest fucked up broken thing and they're fixing it for you. I, I think there, there came a point where I had to ask myself, how honest am I supposed to be with her? And, and <laughs> it was, the truth was I had to be a hundred percent honest. I, I had to be transparent and, and, and I had to be able to, to be okay with telling her everything and anything, the things that I, I thought would hurt her that I didn't, I didn't want to tell her and she had to be okay with it. And I had to know she had to be okay with it. Um, and that's where it started. Um, it's just that level of transparency because she's my, she's more than my wife. She's my partner. She's my best friend. She's my lover. She's my, my, if there's no one else, the ride or die element takes on a whole new meaning. When you have somebody that's like that, that, that on your deathbed, you can trust that she's got your best interest at heart. I didn't have that. I didn't have that before. And, and it took, it took me actually standing outside of myself and saying, okay, I'm ready to, to tell her where I am and who I am. And, and I have to be okay with her telling me that she gets it. She understands it. She's okay with it, but she's not going to let me stay there. Could um, you have, um, do you think either by yourself or without her, the put insert girlfriend, you know, whatever you want. Could you be doing this business right now if she wasn't in your life? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You're like, you're already shaking your head no as I'm trying, as I'm as I'm articulating the question. You're like, this long-winded son of a bitch, I know where you're going. Your head is already going no. I don't know if I wish I could send you the video of just this moment where you're just like and they're like, absolutely not. But you're ahead as I started the question. Like you knew where I was going to go. And you're just like, I mean, you can ask it. I'm, a, I'm glad this is radio right now because my head is shaking. No, no, no. Yeah. The, you know, I, I, she, she's not my fixer. She's not my mother. She's not my sister. 
she's my wife and and that is a that's a, its own unique thing and and that gives a little bit of all of those things but it, it it's basically it's it's that other half that makes you complete that that makes you strong enough to tackle the world and i and i didn't have that before so with her she doesn't understand everything that i do she doesn't understand everything that I bring to the table, but she's always willing to listen and she's always willing to give constructive criticism where we're asked. Um, but you know, the day that I, I came up with my business, um, I was, uh, on the front porch with my future brother-in-law telling him, Hey, I know we got a Christmas party, uh, that's about to start in an hour and a half, by the way, I got fired today and I'm going to start a new company. How do you think I should tell Annette? And he smokes his big gigantic vape and goes, wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, cool. I got no answer from that. So that's when I had to tell my future wife, um, who we weren't even married at the time. We weren't even engaged at the time. I had uh, planned an engagement that included uh, New York and Rockefeller Center, um, which we, invariably ended up doing anyways but uh it's one of those times where i just i just picked myself up and i said okay this this is what's happened and this is what i'm gonna do and my wife's uh response to that my future wife's response to that was okay give me a plan um she was not happy about it she was not happy about the situation at all but she gave me that freedom to figure it out and so i did i i came up with a business plan, didn't know how to do a business plan. So I went to uh, uh, SCORE, I think it is. Uh, I created a, a business plan from there, went online, did some research, came back and I presented her like a board. And, and she and I talked through it. And it was the first time that I actually felt like, holy crap, I can, I can do anything with this lady behind me. She is my true ride or die. And, and, I always knew it, but that was like the tangible, like there's the also like you expressed a dream. I, I had a, I mean, I had a moment the other day, <laughs> right around father's day and, uh, I'd taken, uh, so we had flown uh, my wife's cousin out to help with Harper because there's no summer camps off of the COVID-19 and, um, you know, she's out and we're driving around. And so we had a date night. It's Father's Day. It's date. We're going to go out to my favorite brewery, 12 Fox Brewery. We're going to get these amazing schnitzel sandwiches with a little spiciness of Texas. I mean, the sandwich pork is pounded up the size of my head. And then it's got a regular size bun. It's the most ridiculous thing. And they're like, nah, 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 nah. And the pork's so soft, you can tear it in half, even oh. though it's been fried. It's oh. beautiful. Dude, it's probably out of my mouth water. It's perfect. <laughs> so we're talking and the wife and I are talking. We're talking about, you know, taxes and homes and moving and family and everything else. And uh, I said, you know, we drove by this thing. It was an old gas station and it was turned into like a knickknack shop. And had the gas pumps out front, the old school gas pumps out front, right? But it was a knickknack shop and you get some wine, some beer, whatever. And I was like, Man, if you took that and you just made it, I could pour beer and wine in there and that's it. Little cheese plates and you can order your, actually no food, just order your food. You want to call Grubhub and you want to bring a sandwich in? Bring a sandwich, I don't fucking care. You know, but I, I bet we're, 
I was just dreaming, right? Because, yeah. by the way, this is not a dream. This is a very real thing that could ever fairly easily happen here or anywhere else if I wanted to. But I'm just talking to my wife. I'm like, this is my dream. Like, let's go to Kentucky and let's open this artisan kind of place that only serves eclectic wines and eclectic beers that are regional. And tourists come because they're not going to visit all the wineries. They're not going to visit all the distilleries. They're not going to visit all the breweries. But if we're only Kentucky, nothing else, only Kentucky, and we just do this, we also only see like 30 people. So it's really intimate. It's really small. Like you got 10 people coming in. That's a third. God bless you. But it's really nice and it's comfortable and it's, th this is what I want. And I want crazy shit. I mean, I do this podcast, dumb shit, right? I mean, I can't believe 10 countries around the world. Listen, I can't believe there's someone in Syria even like, I cannot wait for the next episode. Also, Syria, that should tell you about what you should do with your entertainment. Like, <laughs> hey, dear Syria entertainment, I've got a tip for you. And it starts with, I'm not entertainment. And it ends with, I would like a contract with your entertainment group to provide your whole country with entertainment. <laughs> but in all of this, right, where my wife's like, this is bullshit, okay, you just want to drink and talk with your friends or this, that, in all of that, she went, really? Well, why? And I go, one, I could run all my other businesses out of it. Make it, a, it could be 100% a write-off. I could run all my consulting, all the other shit I do. I could leave for a week and go back to California and consult with the financial services groups. I could do all that stuff. One employee, you, me, and very little you. It would be great. It'd be fun. We'd have fun hours. We have uh, some different business hours. It's just like, well, let's do it. And then to your point, to your wisdom of now your wife, she goes, give me a plan. And for the first time ever, for the first time in our relationship, I was like, huh? She's like, tell the fucking house. Let's go. You want to, this is it. This is your, your grandioso dream isn't owning an island and having seven private jets. Your grandioso dream is serving people some cocktails and they can order their favorite local food delivered inside as long as it's not a chain. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and we could do it near my family and I could spend more time with my family. I'm like, yeah. And your dad and mom would fly in and just drink with you. Yeah. It's like these, this is your like big, like when I turn 60, this is the thing I want to have. I'm like, yep. She's like, we can do it tomorrow. You dumb fuck. <laughs> Let's go. And all of a sudden, I'm 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 in the boat that you were in a little bit ago of oh shit, wait. Oh wow, I've got a supporter. And I would bring it back to the movie, right? Marissa Tomei busted his balls. Oh yeah. She busted him, but why? She wanted the best out of him. Yeah. I think there's a there's a delineator, right? And that that comes to the right wife, the the right husband. The right wife and the right husband come down to this. You can get your balls busted just with the right friend. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You have friends and then you have the right friends. Yeah. Like yeah. I have friends here. 
I love them to death. They're great. You want to call me on the carpet? I got five people that can call me on the carpet that are my friends. I got five. And it doesn't ever ex exercise out of five. In fact, I'm trying to exercise out of, I'm trying to exercise two five. <laughs> right? Banjo, do not get up on that chair. Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> so let's see here. So I've got, I've got Brett, obviously, that can call anyone out, and he just will. He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> a very, I mean, I love him like a brother. Yeah, you. I got John Keeling. And I, so I had two open slots left. Put my wife in there, but I think she should be pissed if I put her as a friend, right? She's, she's in a hierarchy <laughs> right above the three friends. Right? <laughs> but, if you, but if you look at that, right, like someone that can call you on your shit, that someone that can call you up and just bust your balls. Yeah. Somebody, Elijah, there's four. You can bust your balls. I mean, legitimately bust your balls. And you take it. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, we spoke at the same time. And you take it. And you take it is a whole different game. And we do it, right? And we do it. And we take it and we do it. And why? Respect. And why? Because you didn't just fall off the turnip truck yesterday. And why? Because you're better. And why are you better? Not that you're better than me. You're better. You're better in what you've accomplished and what you've done, what you've seen, everything else. Your calls to me when starting your business inspired me more, made me better, made me think differently than other calls do. Because other people call me. I had a guy call me. Oh, man, I didn't get my PPP, blah, blah, blah. I didn't get this. I didn't get that. How do I um, fight for more money? And I was like, you and how many other millions of companies? <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm like, or would you like to go to the surrounding communities as an FYI and ask them if they would like your business, which employs kids, which does all these things, and you got to create these charts and do these things. But if you do all this, could you not go to a surrounding community and say, hey, on average, 400 people come through my door a day. On average, uh, because I only support local beer, this many local beers are poured. This many high school kids are employed, blah, 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 blah. And I'm talking to him and he's just like, I never thought of this. He's like, okay, he goes, hey, I got a call. Can I call you back later? I'm like, sure, never calls me back. Then emails me or texts me and goes, hey, I got real busy. It's Father's Day week. And he goes, can I just call you now? And I'm like, dude, I'm with my kid. No. And that was a lie. hundred percent a lie. I just didn't want to. Do, but also it would take me two minutes just to Google the shit and just email it to him. Mm -hmm. But here's my thing. I called him out on his, on his whiny shit. And then I sent him links and I go, hey, man, just be better. Yeah. Pitch, pitch cities, taxes kids being hired, the benefits of kids learning business, and then the benefits of laughter. Like these are three things, it's four, and here are the links and here are the people. He never responded back to the email, never said thanks, never did anything. And there's a part of me that wanted to be bitter. And there's another part of me that goes, hey one, you help someone, 
you don't know that well. I mean, honestly, he's never been to your house. You've been to his house once. You've met him seven times. And your litany of friends told him to call you. So don't be bitter that he didn't say thank you because he's a cunt. He obviously doesn't know what thank you is. Two, more importantly, all that thing that all that thinking that 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 thinking thing that you did, all that stuff, repurpose that into your other friends, your other people, your other ideas, their thoughts, their thought processes, and help them. He's not gonna say thank you. He's not gonna magically mail you a check. He's not gonna do shit, and that's okay. Because yeah. guess what? You worked out the kinks with some fucktard, and now your friends who want information, you gotta just gotta dump it to them. And you're like, by the way, this is kind of a little tested. <laughs> you know? or, or hey, thanks for listening, and I, and I hope you take some and you run with it. If you don't take it all, it's, that's okay too. There is a difference, right? And there's a difference in manners, there's a difference in respect, there's a difference in honor. Yep. There's a difference in communication. And the greatest thing we can teach our kids, I believe, is, is quite simply is this. When people hold your feet to the fire, they're not your enemy. Yeah, I agree. When people say you're wrong or, hey, try this or, hey, do something different, it's not that they don't see your vision. They're trying to expand your vision. Yeah. And we have been monumentally blessed beyond, beyond comparison with friends and people that have held us accountable and held our dreams accountable. And then when we've given us dreams, your wife is a prime example. Give me a business. Oh, you got a dream? Cool. I love it. Great. I want to be with someone who does that. Now give me a business plan. Show me. <laughs> Show me you're not full of fucking hot air. All right. Yeah. Hey, if yeah. you're a goddamn Zeppelin during World War II, I'm not going down with you, bitch. Okay. <laughs> Listen, sorry. You better yeah. do something. And I say all this to wrap up what you said, which is, hey, if you're not being held accountable, are they your friends? Are they the people that love you? Are they the people that challenge you and make you better? Or are they the people that are slowly weakening who you are by saying yes to everything you do? Yeah. Yeah. How much, and I know the movie's over and everybody won and we're all good, but the movie ended with the judge coming out going, I did research on you. I know this about you. I know the vulnerable points about you. So Scott, in two things, before we, we go to my daughter singing about the first time she took a shit by herself. How, one, how important is vulnerability? If you want to be honest, honest. I mean, seriously, how important is vulnerability? And then, and then two, um, honesty in relationships. Because so, there, there, there are people who have heard us talk. Yeah. Like, are you guys friends? <laughs> like, friends? No, I love him. He's my brother. He could, he could land in Austin, Texas tomorrow with his whole goddamn family, and I'll figure out how to, how to put them all at my house if he wants. 
No, he's not my friend. He's my brother. I love him to death. But I love him because he will hold me accountable. He will make me feel uncomfortable. He'll make me better. And I don't mean that as a using point. Sure. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. So in all that, how do we, you know, because my cousin Vinny does that, right? It takes racism. It takes, it takes all these things. It wraps it up into accountability. It wraps it up into how are you, the judge made, held him accountable to make sure he made, he, he, he performed his best. Mm-hmm. And your wife holds you accountable to make sure you performed your best with a business plan to make sure you executed, to know that, that, that the family that you're with now is not a dream. Not that dreams are wrong. It's not a dream. It's a reality. It's a reality because there's that uncomfortable rub, yeah. right? That uncomfortable rub of, I've got a dream, babe. Great. Show me how it works. Well, yeah. no, babe, you don't understand dreams. No, motherfucker. I know dreams. I have them every goddamn day. They're fucking dreams. I'm holding you accountable. How does your fucking dream work? My my wife and I couldn't <laughs> more, I mean, know what the right words are to describe the op the oppositity of uh of our ness so basically you're going to come here with your wife our wives are going to go and do their thing they're going to powwow and they're going to create the fucking empire state building and the union that's going to hold us in check and you and i are going to sit off drink cocktails and 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 tequila and beer and re and solve the world and we're like babes look what we did they're like show us a business plan Right now. And all of a sudden, we're like, I'm sorry, I thought you were friends. Are we in Shark Tank? What the fuck is going on with Shark Tank? The kids are swimming, there's a movie on, and you want Shark Tank? By the way, I will tell you, Shark Tank has been my biggest encyclopedia on my (laughs) business plan and forecasting, and how I have partnered with investors. Don't use Shark Tank, you call me. Don't use Shark Tank. God damn it. I have a question. I turn on ABC, god damn it. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> you... Vulnerability is not confession. Yeah. It's not confession. It's not you go to a priest and you tell all your sins. Uh, vulnerability isn't, isn't you're your telling on yourself. Uh, vulnerability is, is really the strength to let your guard down and, and be exposed and uh, allow them to see your raw, your, your raw brokenness and the things that, that you hold dear to hold, to, to be able to look into your, your rotten eyes and, and tell you that they love you anyway. Um, and, and that's one thing I've been able to do um, with Annette when it, when it comes to honesty, you know, she, she doesn't, need nor does she really want to hear uh the stupid things that that come out of my every thought um so she's not listening to this podcast she's like i'm good i get it <laughs> knuckleheads god damn it she's okay she's okay with <laughs> details out she really is <laughs> and that's like no no i get it i'm no no yeah i'll get a listen <laughs> i'm gonna Her let friend, you we're good <laughs> Um, so, so, you know, I don't know, I haven't figured it out yet, but, but I know that she's, 
she has been given um, a promise that uh, I, I that I won't leave her even if uh, even if she wants me to. Uh, I, she's stuck with me. I ain't going anywhere. And uh, and I have. I like, I like that your wedding theme song was "Happy to Be Stuck with You." That's right. Most of the news. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> you're like you're like. Listen, Jason. You know what the sax thing came in? Like I did a whole other. The horn section for happy to be stuck with you. She walked down with it. Not very happy, but hey, I just wanted to really emphasize. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I would say uh, honestly that that the thing that has made um, us strong is is just her um, just knowing that that she's a allowed me to be raw when I need to be raw um, and uh, she she knows when there's times to speak up and when there's times to just just let me and she also has called me out on uh, when I've just had like pity party bitter party of one she's called me out and, bitter and, party of one that's oh, yeah. my favorite that is my favorite <laughs> that is my absolute favorite Scott Brother, I love you, man. I really do. I, uh, you know what? Um, we have a we have a very special friendship, and I do mean that. Uh, we've gone times without talking. At the same time, we can pick up and talk, and it's like a, a moment hasn't passed. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it is a really it's a real blessing, um, brother. I I said it earlier. I'll, I'll say it again, man. I I am proud of you and all the things you've accomplished thank you um but i'm a proud because i know the backstory mm. i know i know the hills and mountains you've climbed um mm. to get to happiness i know the hills and mountains you've climbed to get to content i know the hills and mountains you've climbed. I, i'm really lucky I, I i'm very i'm very honored i really am i'm lucky and i'm honored because you know what there's there's a lot of people who have seen you go through things and not know anything else and be like, Oh yeah. And, um, you know, uh, all that said, the truest thing I can say about you is from the moment I met you till this moment now, man, your heart has never changed. You're okay. one of those people. I mean, you your personality your heart your temperament has never changed you've just been this guy you've been this this base and i don't know how that works um i well, can't imagine the I'm, way poster, I'm the poster child for pisces i mean you are you are the poster child for pisces and i don't know how that weight works and i don't know i don't know how that water flows off or what happens i'm the poster child for psychopath call <laughs> You're like, you, you could see my number ringing and you, you have to go through the emotion of it. Is he crying? Is he angry? Is he happy? Or does he want me to go on his podcast? Jesus Christ, which one is it? Oh, shit, I don't know. Can I, can I just push in a voicemail and ask for a text? Well, I could. He's going to call back. So, man, the influence you've had on my life, and I, we, we don't talk about this ever. The influence you've had on my life and who you are and, and how I engage with my daughter and my, and, and my wife, my business partners, everything else. The influence you've had on my life is, is, uh, 
is uh, insurmountable. It really is. And it means so much to me um, as, as a friend, uh, as, as a person, as a father, it really does. And, and um, I'll be honest, man, I have, I have failed what you have taught me a million times. But in the five times that I've actually followed through what you've taught me, <laughs> really, I mean, honestly, like, I'm not the best, man. I'm an emotional, crazy person, and I'm not good at a lot of things. But damn it, man, if I were like earlier today, and there's been other times, what, uh, what you've taught me means a lot, brother. It really does. Um, it's funny. I sit down and I talk with these guys like Shar, Jesse May, or, or or Whitney Chitwood, and they're, they're rappers who are traveling the world, and comics that were traveling the world, and and Josh and others. The funny thing is, is that in all of that, in all of those things, in every interview and everything I've done with them, right? They're like, "Man, you got this uh, this calm little middle thing that you can do in arguments." Well, you just do this prose, but you're not arguing. You're just like giving this idea. I'm like, yep. And, um, and a lot of that is due to you, my friend. And a lot of that's due to you uh, in the towers. A lot of that's due to you at, at Vanguard in those, in those towers. A lot of you, we have, um, we've run a lot of gauntlets. Mm-hmm. The cards uh, through family or personal, a little bit of both have been stacked against us sometimes. Sometimes we've stacked those cards against ourselves. Yeah. Sometimes they were just fucking stacked against us. Yeah. But we have in some weird way, not just come over those mountains. Um, we've made those mountains smaller behind us. And, uh, and we've done some good things. And, and in all of that goodness, right, we've been, the three of us on that road trip, Brett, you, me, we've been blessed with, with, with a kid around us, at least one. Um, we've been blessed with the idea of, of a network of people that can hold us accountable to who we are and hold us accountable to, to where our kids should go that's better than us. And man, I don't know in this great world many, uh, many scenarios where that exists. We're blessed, blessed men. But yeah. We're blessed men because of blessed leadership. We're blessed men because of of, of blessed foundations. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, it's a weird thing to say, but in our group of friendships, one of the weird things is, is Scott, you're part of that blessed foundation. You're a friend who sits on that foundation, but you're also a friend who was part of that foundation. And I believe that foundation started with um, the first time that Veterans Day was not recognized by Vanguard and you, me, Brett, Chris Mills, Shane LaRiva, John Keeling, and I forget who else didn't go to class that day. 
Hmm. We didn't go because of you. Hmm. Because we loved you. It's more than respect, man. We just loved you. Hmm. Um, I don't know. This is a uh, man. I would. I take these moments, and this started out. This will start up a series of. These are the people I know. These are my friends. These are the people I know. Like, mm -hmm. Look through your Facebook. Message me. These are the people I know. Right? Yeah. That's how this started, right? But these are the people I know. I interact with my daughter because of the people I know. I have a base where in the craziest of craziness comes. These are the people I know. When I'm crying at midnight, these are the people I know. And not everyone gets the call, but that's the point. Right. But the point is, who do you know? And why are they there? And what does it mean? And what does it mean and who you are and where it exists and what's happening is, 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 is crucial. And it's crucial only because foundationally, what I don't think people realize is that this started more than 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, we don't have to look our age. We don't have to act our age. But we are blessed beyond measure in the fact that there is this little community that we kind of created from a from college to a road trip to to post college to to bouncing business ideas and just and just you know just having that comfort having that availability that I don't think uh, people exercise enough that they should exercise more. Yeah, you know the first time I met you, <laughs> I'm excited. It was life changing it, it, because I. You know, I had my own, I had my own philosophies. I had my own integrity. I had my own viewpoint and I was all of 23. <laughs> I had already lived like four lives. And, and, and I meet this guy who's bald, who's wearing these circular sunglasses, who walks in with a bunch of pizzas on his birthday saying, Hey, I bought these for everybody because it's my birthday. And I seriously thought to myself, why the fuck would he buy pizzas? That's not right. He somebody should pay for those pizzas. He shouldn't have bought his own pizzas. And that that like that that burned in me something that I, I really I, I really thought was awesome about you. That that you would just step up and say, you know what, I don't know any of you bitches, but I'm gonna buy a bunch of pizzas for you on my birthday. <laughs> And and that stuck with me. It did. It stuck with me, and I thought it was just awesome. And 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 I believe that every time that you and I dialogued about everything, uh, it, it just always flowed, starting from that point. Uh, and and I think we got along so well simply because I just I I felt that your your character was was one of uniqueness that you were just going to make your life happen that that you weren't waiting 
that you're just going to take care of it. You're going to do it. And, and if people want to jump on your boat, they're more than welcome to, but um, don't miss it because it's, it's a fun boat. <laughs> it's a little bit of a fun boat. Man, I, I, don't, I don't remember that. I appreciate that um, compliment as well. I really do. Uh, there's, there's so much of when we talk to people. Uh, when I talk to people, they're like, oh, do you remember this? And I'm like, man, oh, probably one too many wobbly pups. I don't. Um, but that said, God bless, man. Folks, you forget, you find one, you're, you're, you're ultra blessed. You find two or three or four, man. Uh, you're living a lottery dream and stop buying tickets. We are blessed men, brother. We really are. Thank you for this. Uh, I will, obviously, we can, dude, I will have you on anytime. What I'd like to do is when I'm in California next, I'll shoot you my dates. Uh, perhaps um, you and the wife can come down. I'll buy you guys dinner somewhere. And we can just, you know, sit down and have a dinner and I get to, get to meet the beautiful wife. But, um, man, I miss you. I love you, man. I really do. Uh, I'm very proud of you, obviously. I really, really am. Um, you, you continue to, uh, to inspire me and, uh, and you keep doing cool shit that I, that I can't imagine. So with that said, folks, here's that beautiful moment where I got to say goodbye to Scott and you're going to hear my daughter sing about the first time she could shit by herself and more than likely she's going to sue me later on in life. So enjoy <laughs> this now. <laughs> Because when she gets 20 and she doesn't find this cute anymore, I'm going to have a lawsuit. So uh, there you go. Scott, brother, I love you, man. Thank you so much for this for the time. Uh, let's do it again, please. And uh, I'm going to text you my dates when I'm in SoCal. If you and the wife can meet me up for dinner, I'd love to take you guys out to dinner. Done. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. in Irvine, so you got a little bit of drive. But there's no traffic because of COVID-19. So oh, yeah. we're, we're going to win her. <laughs> We're close. We're close. Hey, man. Love you, brother. Be good. And right. uh, I will, uh, I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Take care, man. Have a good night. Thanks, brother. Peace.